being whipsawed by what China is doing there on the crypto front in terms of Bitcoin mining. Um, do you do we need to see that threat abate in order for for Bitcoin to emerge from what some people are already calling its next winter? Oh yeah, listen, Vic, it's been very volatile. But just let's just go back and look at it. Thirty thousand feet. It was roughly eight thousand last July. It's in the mid thirties today. If we didn't have that blow off top, I think people would have been very happy with Bitcoin's trajectory. But I think the point that you're making is that, yes, China put a hurt on Bitcoin, but long term, I think that's very positive. Because remember, everybody's worried about Bitcoin's effect on the environment. We just learned from the Bitcoin Mining Council that Bitcoin mining is now 56 percent renewable with China out of the picture and all those coal fired electric plants in, in China, Melissa, out of the picture. That ratio is going to continue to increase. And when you see things like what's going on in El Salvador and the continued expansion of Wall Street firms adopting Bitcoin and other funds like Ethereum, we just launched an Ethereum fund as an example, July 1st, I'm long-term positive on what China is doing. China getting out of the way, I think will be a long-term positive for Bitcoin. Happy Bitcoin Monday, freaks. First Bitcoin Monday ever. Usually we do join you on Tuesdays. I appreciate all of you who are joining us today. Instead, um, we had to move some scheduling around to make this very important conversation happen. It's a conversation that I'm looking forward to. This is Citadel Dispatch episode 30, the interactive live show about Bitcoin distributed systems, privacy, and open source software. I just want to do a quick shout out as I always do to the ride or die freaks who join us uh, every week in the chat, in the live chat, and make this show what it is. Um, it's a very special experience having such an active audience that, it, that are just always participating and helping um, move this you know, Bitcoin education forward. This show would not be the same without you guys. I also want to thank all of the freaks who constantly support this show uh, with their sats. Um, I want to keep this show completely audience supported um, with no ads and no sponsors. I think it aligns incentives the best um, and I can't do that without your support. So I do appreciate that. The easiest way you can support the show is via podcasting 2.0. Um, you can look up different podcast apps that support that. That's newpodcastapps.com and you can stream sats directly to the show as you're listening. It's pretty cool. As I, I see the day after I post it, I just see sats start coming into my wallet, just streaming in as people are listening. Uh, it's, it's really fucking powerful. Um, you can also support the show if you're watching the video stream through the LN URL QR code on the bottom left hand screen, bottom left of your screen, um, or going to siddledispatch.com. You can support via tippin.me uh, if you prefer Lightning, or you can support with the Samurai Paynim. Uh, my Paynim is Young Poetry 985. I'm pretty proud of that randomly generated uh, Paynim. It's like one of six I have, and this is the one I like the best. Um, so with all that said, I do appreciate all you freaks. Um, 
we have a very important conversation today. We have Samurai Wallet joining us, um, someone who I've been trying to have a conversation with publicly for a while. We were kind of waiting for him and his co-founder, uh, T-Dev, to, to rip one in person. Um, and we're still going to do that, but uh, it's such an important conversation that I, I, I think um, it needn't wait. So we're, so we're here to have it, and I'm, I'm very appreciative to have him here. How's it going, Samurai? Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Matt. It's been a long time coming. As his Nim uh, makes it obvious, he is the co-founder of Samurai Wallet, um, the, the best Bitcoin privacy wallet that exists today. Um, in my opinion. Thank you. Thank um, you for all the love, Matt. <laughs> we really also have, it. I'm a user and I, I love your wallet. Um, we also have OpenOMS joining us. OpenOMS is a constant return guest. Um, very big in the Bitcoin privacy scene. He's someone I respect a ton, a uh, very close friend. Um, so I'm very happy to have him here for this conversation. Uh, how's it going, OpenOMS? Hello, both. I'm very happy to be here. Hello for all the freaks. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm myself, as you can see my profile picture in there, I am paying him from the beginning. I've been joining Bitcoin Twitter, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm a user of Samurai Wallet. I do share the opinion that it is absolutely the best on mobile and it is, you know, absolutely best for the use case for the and the UX for CoinJoin is just, uh, you know, you cannot really do better at the moment. So, yeah, let's dive into it. So, yeah, we're going to dive into well, thank everything. You. Thank you both, I just have to say. That's real nice of you to say. And thank you, Matt, for all the coverage that you've given us on uh, on this podcast and on uh, Rabbit Hole Recap as well. Um, Samurai, for whatever it's worth, you know, this show is a live show. Um, and I am realizing that I'm hearing a little bit of extra sound coming from your microphone. So I guess uh, the easy fix is just to keep yourself muted uh, when you're not speaking. Um, I think you realize that on your own, but just double checking. Um, the So this is kind of a follow-up conversation to, well, first of all, the first 29 dispatches, because even though we do hit different nuanced topics uh, every dispatch, uh, Bitcoin privacy has obviously been a major theme of Citadel Dispatch to begin with. It's one of the reasons I started the show in the first place. It's a it's a topic that doesn't really get that much, um, it just doesn't get that much open discussion. I think a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. Um, I think a lot of people's incentives uh, are set up in ways that they don't want to talk about it. Um, so I've taken it on myself and the Rider to Freaks who join us in the audience every week, um, have take, we've taken on ourselves to to just talk about this more openly. I think the most important thing as Bitcoiners for us to realize is that we want to have uh, open, transparent discussions about these important topics. As soon as you stop talking about things uh, openly, uh, you just you just regress. Um, but it's also specifically a follow-up to Citadel Dispatch 15, which was with Wasabi co-founder, uh, No Power and Open Arms joined me, and Citadel Dispatch 16, where I had the two lead maintainers of Join Market on, uh, Waxwing and Chris Belcher. Um, so those are the three main uh, Bitcoin privacy tools that exist today. And fortunately for us, um, we've had we're gonna. This is this is the trifecta. We have the trifecta here on Citadel Dispatch. As always, you can you can uh, listen to these episodes uh, through your favorite podcast app, or you can go to CitadelDispatch.com where you can have links to BitcoinTV.com, which has full video archives, which you can download 
you can torrent, you can share all for free. Um, because that's the way that's the way I think it should be done. Um, so I think uh, there's a lot of places we can start in this conversation. I think um, I, th I think the first topic we should start with is KYC and the dangers of KYC. I think you know a lot of public Bitcoiners um, have ties to KYC services, regulated services. KYC is is know your customer. Um, it's when they, when a service, a regulated service, asks you for your selfie and maybe your passport or your license and your address, your mailing address and your name, and does all these different checks on you. Um, and usually that does get combined with all your Bitcoin information that they hold, uh, whether that's withdrawal addresses or deposit addresses, the amount you bought. Um, you know, these these companies, uh, these regulated companies are the most profitable businesses in the space. Um, and they have long reaches and and a lot of public Bitcoiners are tied into them. So they don't want to talk about it or talk against it. Um, so Samurai, I mean, you've been very outspoken about the danger of KYC. You want to start us off here? Yeah, sure. So we've been outspoken about KYC, like you said, since pretty much we, we started in 2015. And our, our primary kind of cry is that KYC is a uh, it's a creeping disease, meaning we didn't get it didn't start with us having to take photos of our you know selfies with our photo IDs and having to provide all this information. It's gradually worsened to this point, and it's going to continue to get worse. So by tolerating it a, a little bit now, you're setting yourself up for failure in the future. You're setting yourself up for much worse uh, protocols in the future. Uh, obviously, that's like a, a battle cry that is doomed to fail, ultimately, obviously. But um, it's still an important battle cry to, to be had and for users to hear because we're at the point now where KYC is so normalized in our, in our culture that the concept of non-KYC acquisition of Bitcoin is, to some, to some new coiners, is, is completely alien, completely foreign. They hadn't even thought of it. It never even occurred to them. So continuing to spread the message about the importance of that, uh, it, you know, is important. Uh, yeah. the, the, the risk, uh, sorry, just, just my final point, the, the major risk, uh, as Matt, you alluded to, uh, in, in the context of practical privacy uh, concerns is that it, it's, it's not possible, it's definite that the exchange that you're using, if it's a regulated entity, is sharing that information with um, a chain surveillance firm, whether that's chain analysis or something else. Uh, and so a profile is being made of you and your transactions based on that KYC history. Yeah, I mean, I think you made a very important point there uh, that especially, um, you know, more Bitcoiners that have been in this space for a, a longer time might not realize uh, or like a nuance that they don't realize is is for a while, Bitcoin was like the exception to the rule. KYC is everywhere from the day of our birth. Um, you know, just constant surveillance and tagging. I was, you know, even stuff like license plates, like you drive around and you just, you, you just got your little KYC plate on the front. Um, so a lot of these new users, it's just what they expect. Like if you sign up to Venmo, um, you're going to have KYC when you sign up to Venmo. So, so it's, it's something that they're used to. Um, but as Bitcoiners that have been around, uh, we've seen it creep into the system. It was like Bitcoin was like one of the last bastions of, of no KYC. Um, 
And just over the last two years, even three years, it's just literally crept into everything. Even like the renegade exchanges and stuff, I've all basically bent the knee um, to KYC. Yeah. And well, uh, the, the worst part is not even bending the knee. It's it's willingly going to the regulator and willingly over complying to, you know, to curry favor or perceived favor with the regulator in their country. Uh, we've seen a lot of that going on as well. 100%. And I mean, one of the things that you mentioned is that pretty much all of these services are sharing that information with these chain surveillance companies that are, are providing them some kind of regulatory compliance in quotations. Um, the But what also people should realize is even if you did like, even if you're coming from the angle that you trust um, the exchange you're using or the, the custodian, the regulated custodian you're using, if it's a custodial wallet that requires KYC, and even if for some reason you trust the chain surveillance company, um, all this information is going to get leaked eventually. Like we've seen that as information gets stored online, um, it eventually gets leaked. I mean, I saw a headline come out that like guest clothing uh, today announced that in like February, they leaked a bunch of social security numbers and stuff because they got hacked. Um, so, you know, it doesn't really matter where your personal information is. The one, the one, uh, key trend we see is that this personal information, once it's on the internet, once it's stored and logged. And one of the things with KYC information is that by regular, by regulatory standards, they're expected to hold it for many years. Um, so it's sitting there for a very long time, um, is that it will get leaked eventually. And one of the elements of Bitcoin is that people who are bullish on Bitcoin, myself included, I believe that this chain will be around forever. I think this chain is going to outlive me. Um, so when you have records that tie yourself to your Bitcoin, um, at any point in the future, if that information gets out, um, there's a whole trail that they can follow if you're not, if you're not practicing Bitcoin best, pri Bitcoin best practices in terms of privacy. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I think a lot of people also forget and look over is that Bitcoin privacy, it works pretty well when you're talking about um, a system that's pseudonymous, right? And that's the system that Satoshi designed. Uh, when you start attaching a real life record, a real life KYC record to the chain, it starts to become not, not good enough at all and a privacy nightmare. Uh, so, you know, the dangers of KYC can't be overstated um and i think everyone has a duty to try to start to think about how they can acquire their their stack uh through other methods and for a lot of people um they're productive people they can produce things and they have services and and goods that they can create to offer and they should do those things and offer those things uh for bitcoin uh, earning bitcoin is one of the most liberating things uh you know feelings in the world i feel uh and it, it really puts this whole conversation uh you know, into a hold in a different perspective uh, once you're an earner of Bitcoin. Yeah, I think one of the things here, right, is that um, as a as a Bitcoin circular economy develops, kind of what you just mentioned, where people instead of buy Bitcoin, they earn Bitcoin. Instead of selling Bitcoin, they spend Bitcoin. Um, it distributes. Uh, you, you end up not having all these centralized uh, platforms that are the gatekeepers, right? And, and as, as a result, um, it'd be way more difficult to enforce KYC AML laws on all those individual actors. Like if you're going to, you know, enforce it on some random ass bodega, 
um, in downtown New York City, it's a lot different than trying to do that versus doing it to Binance, which is a massive multinational corporation now. Um, but in the short term, uh, it, it presents a major threat to most Bitcoiners. I think like, I mean, I'm just you know, speculating here, but I would say over 90% of, of new new corners that come in, new Bitcoin users that come in are coming in fully KYC'd, right? I mean, yeah, I, I would I would uh, assume it's a large percentage of the new coiners that are coming in because like we said, it, it's just a regularized uh, occurrence. Uh, and, it, you know, it's, it's it's a similar onboarding process to, to Venmo and, and PayPal and those, those types of things. Um, it's familiar to them. Open arms. Do you think we've missed any nuance here in terms of KYC? What are your thoughts? Um, I've, I completely agree with what you have said. I mean, Bitcoin is an immutable public open ledger. It does. It never meant to be paired with any kind of personal information. It should be cheap and easy to generate a new identity for, for you or for anyone else anytime. And it is the if we do it in the the other way, and we keep databases of every metadata we can metadata we can imagine. Then it's it it will grow to be a surveillance tool we can not imagine. So that's kind of even in a Bitcoin future, there is a dark future, which is the KYC one. Um, and the need the, the circular economy or the you know the normalization of the privacy tools is is the road towards the brighter future. Um, so I completely agree there. Um, regarding like, KYC practices, I would like to kind of uh, point out a couple of things which I don't know what you think about these. And um, maybe you don't have the have it in the US that easy. But uh, there is this phenomenon, which is I call it KYC light, where you basically still send a bank transfer under your name and you probably need to provide like an email address or even in case of basic if you are doing an online transfer you actually uh, exposing your name uncovering your name and bank account uh, or your companies um, to the seller but this happens to like loads of uh, little services which are nowadays moved to switzerland instead of like being based and other places. I don't want to do like an advertisement, but uh, the point is there that they are not keeping any data, but they would be able to get the data from the bank through their bank relationships because the the um, the Swiss laws are that you need to kind of sign a message with your the private key of your address currently, which you are withdrawing to. So they have a proof that they are sending Bitcoin to a a person who has actually initiated the bank transfer so they can have their KYC data from their bank. But there is at least not an extra database which could leak. And I mean, obviously, in the case of a, like a subpoena or some kind of similar situation, it could be still, you know, it's still a centralized thing which could be leaked, but it's 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 a bit better than like registering on, on a big exchange where you just need to give everything and it just sits there and sending you out marketing emails in punch and stuff. We should, um, yeah, yeah. The, a lot of the uh, DCA, um, smaller companies use this this type of technique that OpenNums describes. 
we, we should be careful of celebrating anything like this, though, uh, because it's just the progression of KYC becoming more usable and more uh, yeah, user friendly uh, just shows how much further it has be, become ingrained in society. Uh, the reason that they allow this to happen is because they can get every detail they need uh, from the bank, as you mentioned, uh, right. in, in the possibility that they may need, they may need it. Uh, and the, the issue is the uh, spectrum for wh wh why governments may think they, they need access to this information is very fluid. Uh, and the EU uh, proclaims to have strong privacy laws. Uh, and this is where SIPA, uh, you know, is used for this, this type of transaction that you described, um, which is an EU-based um, settlement and transfer system for, for traditional banks in the EU. Um, yeah, so, it, you know, it, it's not a celebration. I, I think that it's positive that you're, you know, that there's not an additional database that is being uh, maintained. Uh, but the underlying issue isn't that it's just a data storage and data hygiene issue. Then the underlying issue is it's a, fundament, a fundamental undermining of our freedoms uh, and our freedom to transact. Um, I mean, so there's a couple of interesting points here. Uh, the first point I think that I try and highlight a lot, but it, it gets glossed over, is that obviously this is a Bitcoin show. Um, so I focus on um, Bitcoin privacy concerns specifically. But our traditional payment rails are fully KYC to the hills. Um, this is not a, a an issue that is um, isolated to Bitcoin. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, traditional banking um, is worse. Uh, and Bitcoin provides, especially if you, you know, if you use Bitcoin with privacy best practices, uh, provides a way for you to opt out of that system. Um, another aspect is, uh, OpenOMS mentioned uh, Switzerland. Uh, part of that is because Switzerland's not part of the EU. The EU is like one of the worst places right now, I think, to, to operate a Bitcoin business. Um, they just keep adding more and more uh, regulatory overhead. It's even worse than America, it seems now. They kind of leapfrogged us. Um, the UK they're is not also part of the EU, but, they, but they're part of the EU. You know, it's like one of those right. types of things. Uh, and, and, and they will have to implement a, a version of AML uh, uh, Fifth Money Laundering Directive, AML 5D. Yeah, so that their limits are going down. Like, you know, you could do like I don't know the exact numbers, but you could do in a month like ten thousand euros. You know, last year now you can only do like two thousand, and mm -hmm. uh, you know it will be going to go being squeezed down. And yes, this is they are part of the European economic economic area, so the like the MLD five and things are are apply just as well as it applies to the UK. But the UK rather puts some more on top. Indeed, yeah. and to add on top of that. Um, you know, part of my concern and part of the reason why I think it's, you know, extra important for us to get ahead of this um, trend in Bitcoin is because the usage of cash is decreasing. Um, it's decreasing mostly because our peers uh, in our age group and the younger individuals um, prefer not to use it out of convenience. They prefer to use the digital alternatives. But it's also decreasing because governments are trying to reduce its usage. So in a lot of countries um, already, we're seeing the usage of cash just being seen as suspicious, even if it's completely allowed. Um, why would you use cash instead of this more convenient system where 
you know, you might get points back or some bullshit like that. Um, so as cash usage decreases, this becomes more and more of an issue for Bitcoiners, I think, um, because you kind of eliminate that whole cash for Bitcoin trade system uh, on the cash side. You know, a lot of the issues there, you know, originate from the fiat side of the equation. Um, I'd also add that we have Anarchio C on Twitter who wanted to mention, he makes a very good point here, is that these KYC laws, you know, they end up with a lot of people in the traditional system being excluded. They can't have bank accounts. They can't have digital payment apps. Um, and as a result, um, if we don't have a robust circular economy where people can earn Bitcoin, uh, those people also get excluded from the freedom benefits that Bitcoin provides, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was going to say like to, to be positive about some stuff, but I don't want to be like seen as, as negative. Uh, the positive thing is KYC doesn't exist on chain, like on the blockchain itself. There's no, it, it exists only on the on-ramps, right? Uh, or, or most of the on-ramps. So if you're able to bypass the, the on-ramps, the regulated on-ramps, you're able to interact with Bitcoin in a way that is, is liberating. And it has to, you know, that's why we've been hammering home for a really long time, uh, years and years, uh, for users to, to figure out ways to acquire Bitcoin outside of that system, outside of that KYC system, um, because it opens up, it opens Bitcoin up to its full potential. And that's a censorship uh, free payment network, right? That's a censorship free um, form of value. And and um, who, that's what I mean, that's what I got involved for. Uh, so, you know. Another it's become more it's become a lot more difficult, as you mentioned, though, anyone who's been involved in a while uh, for a while has seen the, the dramatic shift uh, in the cash uh, for the cash trade um, ecosystem. Another aspect here uh, that's important to mention, I think, is that mining remains one of the best ways to uh, obtain KYC free Bitcoin. Um, next week, I will have a uh, diverter uh, Econ Econ e Econa Alchemist on again. They'll both be return guests. Uh, they weren't on the same episode last time. And also Ronan Miner, who just, I just noticed Neil joined us in the live chat. Um, they will all be joining us for a special Citadel Dispatch next week to discuss no KYC mining. Um, and that will be also at a non-standard time. That'll be on Tuesday um, at noon Eastern. So, uh, that's uh, 1600 UTC. So just, uh, pay attention freaks for that episode coming up next. Uh, I'm also really looking hey. forward to that conversation. Matt, can I jump in, uh, based on the chat comment here? Yes. Read the comment first. Uh, it just, it just came all, uh, went off my screen, but it's from, um, I think Winston Hex, the second comment he made. And it's the gist of it is equating wanting to avoid the KYC system to wanting to evade taxes. Um, and I would just like to point out to this gentleman, uh, that the KYC system was put into place, has nothing to do with tax evasion or taxes. It was put into place after the, uh, 2001, uh, terrorist attack as a way to make sure that money laundering couldn't be used to finance another terrorist operation. So it has nothing to do with taxes. Um, and to equate the two things is just really status thinking. Uh, the, the point of avoiding the KYC system is because we have a fundamental right to transact freely and you cannot transact freely through the KYC system. And Bitcoin was created in a way where you can opt out of that system. And we 
all we're doing is preaching to people that if they're looking for a way to opt out of that system, there exists a solution. And that's Bitcoin. So what I really like about Dispatch is that, you know, we have a lot of very dedicated Bitcoiners that believe in the mission um, and they tend to just consume as much Bitcoin content as possible, use as many tools as possible, constantly educate themselves, constantly continue their learning. And as a result, what they do is uh, I've learned from operating the Bitcoin education space for such a long time that the easiest way for us to scale this thing and increase, you know, usage of, of Bitcoin privacy best practices is to have a group of ride or dies that go out and then help their, you know, 10 or 15 people um, that look at them as the Bitcoin guy or girl um, to, to, to provide, you know, a solid base to those people that look to them for advice. Um, but so, so I would say that there's not a lot, I, I hope, I would hope that there's not a lot of this audience who, who doesn't know, um, who doesn't think privacy is important. Uh, I'd be surprised that they're still listening 30 episodes in, but I'm curious, Samurai, to, to the majority of Bitcoiners, I would say like 90% of Bitcoiners um, who are not currently trying to use the tools, um, their main issue or the, the main roadblock is that they don't see the value in privacy to begin with. So just to pull this conversation back a little bit, I'm curious if you could say to them, you know, why they should care in the first place, why privacy matters in general, not just in Bitcoin land. Um, I'd be really interested on on how you would phrase that. Well, yeah, I mean, they may they may not think that they that they value privacy, but of course, of course, they value privacy. Um, you know, they they have curtains on their windows. They have um, they have doors. They have they put their well, they probably don't send letters, but if they did, they'd put in, a, in, a, in an envelope. So no one but the intended party could read it. People have a natural desire for privacy. Um, and what the Bitcoin tools that are uh, available today, the, the ones uh, especially that you mentioned in your intro, um, what they all attempt to do is just replicate the, the same type of privacy that has existed in the cash system uh, for, for you know thousands of years. Um, and I don't think that's that's revolutionary or radical. Uh, and if they don't value, you know, privacy besides that, I don't try to convince them. I just think, you know, maybe they're just kind of, they haven't had that moment yet where, you know, something happens in their life that they start to value their privacy, or maybe they're just too, too far gone. And they're not the people that we need to be talking to. I tend to think, for most people, they won't really get it until they get burned. Would you Would you agree? Like until that aha moment happens where they touch the stove and they realize, "Fuck, you know this shit." Is yeah, I think important. a lot of people. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that. And I I think as we we enter this more digital world where more and more of our life goes online, um, we're going to see more breaches, privacy breaches, and data breaches um, that expose us uh, publicly. Uh, to the world, our intimate secrets and our intimate lifestyle choices um, and just all matters of things that we do in our day-to-day -day lives. So the, my, my, it's, it's kind of sounds bearish short term in terms of, of privacy, but I think my, my bullish take 
on on people, the world caring about privacy is that so many people are going to get burned over the next 10 years, not just in Bitcoin land, um, that they're going to be forced into realizing the need for it. And then they'll seek out the tools. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think you have to, for a lot of people or a majority of people that they're going to need to to have some sort of event happen to them, right? They're going to need to get burnt in some way. Um, but I mean, for others, I think that, you know, the the events of, of 20, uh, 2020 and, and 2021 with, with COVID and with the, the, the really strong government response pretty much everywhere uh, has really kind of opened up a lot of people who maybe weren't thinking about this uh, previously to thinking that maybe they should, it's time they started taking their, their privacy seriously because things, things can change very quickly um, and laws can, can be reworked very quickly. Um, so, you know, maybe more of those types of events will bring more and more people who are, who care about that type of thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, Actually, I mean, 20, one, one other point yeah. to that is, I mean, if, if governments start to get or crack down and get more repressive, especially around, uh, transaction free, uh, transactional freedom. So i.e., cutting off funding to groups that are, you know, uh, or, or even just individual content creators uh, through the platform on YouTube who are, you know, spreading the wrong message. Uh, those types of events, if this continue to happen, create a whole class of, of user that, that, you know, hopefully would be able to use Bitcoin to route around that type of event, like in the way that WikiLeaks first famously used Bitcoin as the first major um, economic participant. Uh, when they got their, uh, you know, Visa, Mastercard donations uh, canceled. So you want to have the privacy tech, and you want to have the tools available for for that, you know, potential or you know inevitability. Yeah, I mean, I think the plan should be to have the tools ready, um, have the education ready, have the resources ready, um, and when the masses realize the need, um, they'll be there for them, right? Yeah. Um, open arms. Yeah. Any thoughts uh, here before we dive in deeper? I mean, it, it's it's never enough to talk about this. We always do on 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 this batch, and I, I love that. Uh, I think people. Yeah, I, I agree that you either have something happen to you, or you come from an environment which is like um, you know has been exposed to problems connected with like authoritarianism or surveillance or or like just uh, um, extortions and um, taking property away which was uh, you know belonging to people without any way to to kind of uh, save it I myself from you know the eastern part of Europe and and then moved to the to the very kind of comfortable Western uh, society where where people are really just like the boiling frogs you know who, who are now about to kind of you know it would be time to jump out but they won't and <clears throat> that's yeah it's just need to need to open eyes to, to to these things but i think there will be the the real adoption i mean not in terms of how many millions of dollars come in but in terms of how many users come in will happen on the places which need bitcoin and these technologies as well uh, and then you know 
now we are at the at, at, at the level where people have some we will have tools to have for them available if they are ready to just search for it you don't even need to learn much right you don't need to you don't need to program anymore to to construct a coin join right and um, that that is a good thing i mean, we need to continue to improve and make it more easy and more accessible for for these people to to be available and then you know everyone else who, who doesn't want to boil could jump out of the water yeah i agree um so with all that said uh you know the show is focused on actionable bitcoin discussion things that bitcoiners today can can do to better themselves um so we have we we so far we've said uh earning bitcoin mining bitcoin uh, i guess mining is earning and kind of falls into the same subset uh circular economy um just realizing the need in general um but then we also have what you guys have been working on over at Samurai Wallet, um, which is, it's it's gonna be funny this whole conversation, I think, because your name is both Samurai Wallet and the project is also Samurai Wallet, but um, let's dive into you know, what your strategy is over at Samurai and how you guys are approaching this uh, for everyday Bitcoiners. So, uh can you can you repeat the question there man i kind of lost you for a bit basically like what is your strategy over at samurai wallet like how are you guys approaching this issue how are you you know trying to provide uh a tool set okay. that is useful for bitcoiners today right right so so i guess one of the most important points about what a user can do uh, other than avoid the kyc system because as as you said most are going to be either they didn't hear this message early enough, or there's just no other way for them, um, and they, you know, they can't produce or earn for whatever reason. Um, the tools that that we've we've created, um, one of the, the benefits of those tools for KYC uh, UTXOs is that the forward-looking activity of those UTXOs, once they go through the tools that we create, uh, specifically Whirlpool, uh, can't be connected to the KYC UTXOs in uh of the past so it's a way of breaking the kyc record on chain anyway um for them for for users who have those utxos now the kyc record will still remain of course with the entity where you acquired the UT, uh, the coins from um but the link with your kyc information to your on-chain utxo information will be severed and i think that's a that's the fundamental uh, tool that we provide in Whirlpool. And every other tool that we provide is is essentially building on that idea. Um, and we can get into the weeds if you want, but that, that's the that's the gist of of our tool and and, and generally all all privacy tools and all all the coin join to, tools uh, specifically. the you know the point of coin join is is what to turn deterministic links into probabilistic links. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's exactly what, what we do. So you made an interesting point there and I've kind of been, you know, thrown over the coals over it sometimes, uh, you know, uh, 
pri privacy focused people uh, have a lot of passion and that's one of the reasons I love operating in the space. Um, but you would agree that uh, if you are going to KYC, uh, going into CoinJoin afterwards, using Whirlpool afterwards, uh, is is strictly the best option to do if if you are KYC'd. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I would extend it to all all UTXOs, whether they're KYC'd or not. I think they should go through a round of equal output CoinJoin. Um, uh, every and it should be done, you know, relatively frequently. Um, so yeah, uh, I agree completely. If if you've gone through that process of KYC. Um, you need to sever the on-chain footprint between your KYC record, which links real life with the blockchain. Um, you know, the KYC record will still exist. Your tax record will still exist. The exchange will still have all the information that they had prior to the, the whirlpool, but on-chain, which is where we're concerned, um, will be, will be good. Yeah. That's yes. also an interesting, that's an interesting point that you mentioned there, because a lot of people that like come in through BISC or something uh, say like, I don't see why I have the need um, for using uh, these coin join tools if I'm buying without KYC to begin with. But even if you're a vendor and you're receiving Bitcoin from a customer, um, you're receiving Bitcoin from someone. Someone knows that you're the one who got it um, and you want to break that link regardless. Right. Exactly. Can I just uh, say, say that uh, when we are focusing on, on, on the importance of, of uh, avoiding KYC, first of all, and then once you get into it, you know, try to get rid of the rid of the trail so not to have your payments tied to your identity. <clears throat> but then privacy is, you know, is much bigger than that, even if you are not. We would not have this kind of, uh, you know, we wouldn't need to show our passports anywhere, then you still because of the uh, qualities of the Bitcoin blockchain, having every address to and from and the amount public, you need to be able to hide from the, if you buy something, you don't want the seller to know what your stash is, you know, what, what, what is the, all your money is, because, you know, it was next time at least he would ask for a higher price then, or you don't want uh, someone to know what is your monthly month wage if you are being paid in Bitcoin. That is, if I understand correctly, that is the backwards looking privacy which can be uh, provided by coherence. And then the for forward looking one is that your employer, I mean, you don't want your employer to know exactly when and what and how much did you buy. And either the employer or wherever you have your Bitcoin from, that could be the, the person you bought from also, you know, shouldn't know about what you're doing. I mean, this is very basic. If it would be the case in the in the normal banking system, then, you know, we, we cannot imagine that. But people are not really aware of the, the thing of the case that this is the default in Bitcoin if you are not using CoinJoin or Lightning or swaps or, you know, other, other kind of tools that uh, you know everyone knows everything they just need to look and it's there for eternity yeah you don't want your boss to know your spending habits that's ridiculous yeah exactly and you don't want to have the corner shop know your earning either exactly um very well said i uh 
So let's let's you know let's dive into. I'm, I'm trying to think where we should go next. Uh, um, so so one of the things you mentioned there, Samurai, uh, is is this idea that like the baseline should be these coin joints, um, you know, like almost like we should just. I've kind of come to the conclusion that almost everything we do in Bitcoin is is a post mix activity. Um, Definitely, I've come to the same conclusion. So what we really want to see is all major Bitcoin wallets standardize that activity and basically not only make every spend a coin join, but also make every spend a post mix out of a like a proper non-deterministic coin join rounds, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think that, um, you know, if you don't want to go as far as to say that's, that there needs to be standardization between the protocols, right, uh, then you should, we can at least say that there needs to be certain attributes of the protocols that are demanded by, by users of the protocols. Uh, which are no deterministic links, right? Each mixed transaction has to be all probabilistic, not deterministic in any way, um, and various other qualities. Uh, and I think that if if those standards could be could be met on the actual mixing protocol side, then you you know that would be phenomenal for users. Uh, and then on the post mix side, it, as you as you suggest, Matt, it's, it's it's almost as important because if you combine your post mix with any other UTXOs associated to other uh, activity, you will be linking their histories together uh, and you don't wanna do that. So it's really important for the, the wallet to um, implement a post-mix strategy properly. Now, the attempts at standardization were made, uh, you know, way back in, in 2016, I believe, with um, Nopara from what would become Wasabi and um, TWD was involved and various other contributors, uh, some from the Open Bitcoin Privacy Project. Uh, they would um, create the zero link spec and zero link spec specifies all of these conditions of post-mix account segregation, um, the segregate, uh, you know, the structured liquidity all of these are defined in the zero link specification. And we believe that to be a good specification. Uh, and that's what Whirlpool is, is built on. And we think it ticks all the boxes and you know, it's been churning away now for, for a few years. And um, every transaction has had a hundred percent entropy, um, no deterministic links and a solid foundation to build on. Sorry, I thought uh, OpenOMS was about to jump in there. I uh, so I mean, one of the things when we talk about uh, Bitcoin privacy is is when you track Bitcoin, right? It's a it's a probability game. Um, basically, external actors are looking at the chain. Maybe they're combining KYC info, other information they have. A lot of times, we suspect that these chain surveillance companies are also running nodes um, to do active surveillance. They're mixing it with KYC information, um, but there's also certain spending methods um a perfect example is if you spend uh people like sending round amounts so if you if you send 
you know, 25 million sats, you send 0.25 Bitcoin, and then there's a random amount um, that's, you know, eight digits long uh, as the other output, um, you can you can pretty much assume that the round amount is the actual send and the other one is the change. Um, another heuristic that a lot of people see is uh, if, if if you if you spend the full the full UTXO um, without change. So if you spend the full UTXO without change, a lot of times it'll be assumed. Um, but of course, it's it's probability, but it'll be assumed that you're sending to yourself because in what situation, in very rare situations, um, your the amount you want to spend is exactly the same amount as your UTXO. Um, another common heuristic is the common input ownership heuristic, which is that um, all inputs belong to the same sender, uh, same person. So it, it links those transactions on chain. So when we're talking about Bitcoin privacy on chain, we're talking about reducing um, the probabilities of being able to basically uh, guess or estimate, you know, when when Bitcoin changes hands and and how those transactions are happening, looking at those transactions on chain. Uh, so one of the main aspects of that is that it becomes a it becomes very much a numbers game, right? You know, you need where you're only high your 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 privacy is only as good as the crowd that you're among. Um, so not only do we need to get you know, private Bitcoin usage up so that there's more people that are actively doing it in the ecosystem. Um, because, you know, you could be the, you could be super focused on Bitcoin privacy, but if someone pays you with a KYC transaction, um, then you don't even, you might not even realize that they paid you with a, a KYC UTXO. Um, so, so not only do we want to get usage up, but also we have this aspect that because we have these multiple tools, you have separate distinct uh, basically liquidity pools among the different implementations, right? So there's there's always been a push or at least a hope that we could have, you know, at least some kind of standard. So at least, you know, whatever the subset of Bitcoin users are that are trying to practice Bitcoin best practices in terms of privacy um, are together in that, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, it's... It's important to um, to have a variety of tools that are specialized for the situations that you find yourselves in, uh, whether it's a post mix spend or or it's getting into a equal output coin join, uh, or if it's doing a swap or whatever the whatever the case may be. Um, but it, as you as you mentioned, Matt, just um, a few moments ago, I think that it all has to stem from the postmix account so you have to go from you know a unmixed account a deposit account an account zero however you call it um to a postmix account segregated and separate um and that postmix account may have different rules uh spending rules that are in, in place there uh and then from there all of these other options uh open up that work cohesively together um, and, and actually are solving problems that users are facing, uh, whether that be just a general undermining of a heuristic that you mentioned, um, or actually evading a, a you know, um, overzealous exchange, for example, who's known to blacklist UTXOs. 
So, I mean, I think let's, let's, let's jump in deep into how you guys have set up um, Whirlpool from the entry into Whirlpool to the post-mix tools. Um, how does that all come together into to one, a, a package that is becoming more and more cohesive every day with your new updates? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess the best way to start is to just reiterate that Whirlpool isn't it isn't an external service. Um, it's a part of your wallet. It's an area of your wallet, uh, and it's a protocol that allows for communication between um, various collaborators of transactions uh, using a centralized coordinator that we run. Uh, the centralized coordinator is blinded, however, uh, so it can't really it can't read the message it's passing, but it is passing messages. Um, so the, the start a user would go through is what a process called the TX0. Uh, this is where they take their, their um, unmixed source coins that they want to mix. They, they want to end up with mixed coins. They take these source coins from their external account and they send them to an address um, and they're automatically split into like amount types based on the pool you choose. And there's various denomination pools ranging from 0.5 BTC to 0.01 BTC. Um, so it creates these, these uh, denominate like amount denominations. This is why it's called equal output coin join because all the outputs are equal in the transaction uh, and queues them for what's what we call a mixing cycle or a cycle. Um, each cycle has certain uh, each cycle has certain rules to it and this is this is what we term as structured liquidity meaning that you're going to be each one of these utxos that you have that let's say are 0.5 btc um are going to be mixed individually with other participants they're not going to be mixed together in the same transaction uh likewise no other participant in that transaction is going to be um have been seen together in a previous transaction as well. So every transaction, every UTXO that in there is fresh and never seen together before. Uh, this is an important aspect of Whirlpool um, that is not shared by, I don't think, any of the other implementations. And it's an important aspect to, to creating uh, the highest entropy Bitcoin transactions that you can, that you can create. Uh, I mean, from there, once a mix has been, occur uh, has been achieved, uh, well, actually, I, I, let me rewind a bit. The, the, the downside of structured liquidity I might I should bring in is that it could be slower because of the strict rules that um, stop mixes from triggering if these conditions haven't been met. You need constant fresh liquidity coming into the mixing pools. Uh, and that can produce ebb and flow type patterns where some uh, sometimes it's you know very inactive. There's not a lot of liquidity coming in and sometimes there's a huge amount coming in. Um, but we feel it's worthwhile for the privacy benefits. So let me just jump in real quick before we continue. Um, with with CoinJoin tools, the, the main threat to a CoinJoin user is uh, something called a Sybil attack. And it's when an external attacker is coming in and they're flooding the CoinJoin rounds uh, with their own transactions. And then through process of elimination, they're able to have a higher probability of tracking your transactions, right? So one of the main aspects that all of these implementations 
seek to target is civil resistance. So this idea that if you have an honest actor, um, it'll cost less for that honest actor than it will for a civil attacker, an actual um, a monetary cost to try and attack the rounds uh, as basically a spam prevention mechanism, the same idea that Bitcoin transaction fees in general um, operate under. Um, the so so the goal of Whirlpool, as currently laid out, is to try and reduce that create create a situation where it becomes onerously expensive for a civil attacker to attack. Um, the downside, I, I'm the the downside is that because it's a centralized coordinator and the main civil resistance is the transaction, the not the well right now transaction fees are nothing. Um, basically nothing. The main civil resistance is the actual coin join fee, the whirlpool fee that is paid uh, to you guys at Samurai. Um, so as a result, it doesn't provide civil resistance against you guys, um, but it does provide civil resistance against an external attacker. Uh, with the caveat that if fees ever rise, and I actually do kind of want to have a conversation about fees, but we'll have that later, transaction fees on the network, then that would also provide some level of civil resistance against you guys as well, because you would still have to pay on-chain transaction fees. Did I get that correct? Uh, yeah, uh, from what I heard, that was entirely correct. Awesome. Okay, let's continue. One one thing that um, I can add on to that, um, we, I mean, all all of our revenue that we generate in Samurai is um, is on-chain, so it can be viewed and tracked um by anyone who wants to look and we tend to uh not immediately put it we do put it through whirlpool eventually but we don't do it immediately it's usually three months four months five months so if anyone wanted to they could actually watch our you know addresses move into whirlpool um so they would know exactly when samurai is entering the uh the pool That makes sense. Um, Open arms. Anything you want to add on before we continue here? Well, I, I really cannot tell you know more about Whirlpool than like Samurai Wallet does, right? Uh, what what I would be interested to go in is is like the specifics of Join Market, which is you know another. Is it is is it um, correct that it's not a zero link implementation, but it is a coin join implementation? Quite long existing before started before the actual zero link specification, and um, I mean there are a couple of things which it does differently, and I'm not saying it's overall better or worse. It's just it has use cases when it's more useful, and most of the time it is more difficult to use, and gives you more freedom, which means there is more possibility to shoot your yourself on the feet, but also um, can do things which you cannot do with like fixed pools and um, the way the accounts are separated in, in Samurai. Like just, just a short example, I don't want to like, you know, go into every little thing, but the account separation, I think that is the most important thing you need to do, which is you are not merging your transactions and you're not merging the outputs which are coming from the coin join with the change 
from your inputs. So basically, you're not mixing the unmixed, not merging the unmixed change with the coinjoin outputs. And that is that is very strictly done in Samurai Wallet. You have the deposit wallet, and then you have the postmix wallet, and you can cannot uh, achieve it in the in the GUI to <clears throat> spend them together. And same same is done in Join Market by having five accounts which are not specifically named to be deposits, postmix, bad bank, uh, but they are fulfilling all the roles in a in a rolling manner. But the separation happens during coin joins that when a coin join happens, the coin join output goes to a separate account and the unmixed change stays back in the same. And then through the five mix depth, this is happening in a circular way. So once some funds goes through five coin joins, they get, get back to the first one. And I mean, obviously there are five to minimize the possibility that there would be this kind of appealing chain where they would get back to, to the same change they were, they were starting from. But I mean, that doesn't really make sense because it's all, already been through five coin joins. So and that, that kind of structure, where it's not the liquidity structure, but the, the, the coin join kind of uh, like a tumbling through. That's why we call the script, which is doing this in one go uh, through nine, 10 coin joins, a tumbler, because the, the, funds, the funds kind of you know, tumble through the mix depth. It's like a waterfall of coin joins then. Um, and, you know, the very important other difference is that you don't need to, there are no fixed pools, which means no fixed amounts. So you can, coin join any amount, which means you have a possibility to not create change in, 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 in transactions. When you are depositing your funds, you can just coin join the whole thing minus the fees. And that's what you have coming out of it. There will be no um, exchange at all, right? And this is true for like slightly, I mean, the 100K kind of pool is kind of, you know, is the realistic lower level where it would worth to kind of put anything in uh, or, or break UTXs up uh, to that kind of small small size. And um, so the communication happens all over Tor as, as with Samurai Wallet with Whirlpool as well. Um, and there was a point I, I, was, I was trying to get to uh, which I will, I'm sure I will, <laughs> I will make later. But I think it, these these things are just uh, kind of in, you can you can use both, right? And that, and that's what I'm doing as well because I, I oftentimes I like to use something which creates me a range of different kind of UTXOs, especially for like you know running lightning, and also the possibility to pay with a coin join means that. I, I'm not only able to, when I'm doing a peer-to-peer -peer transaction, I can do that with Samurai as well, but that would be a two-participant coin join. With JoyMark, I can do, you know, a seven to nine, 15 participant coin join uh, to the destination address, or that could be a cold storage address as well, which would make it look like it never got out of that kind of coin join liquidity pool. So it could be just, uh, you know, going again but it's not that the the drawback is that it's not that uh kind of homogenic 
SD somewhere I've put UTXs are that the same kind of size in, same size of out, and it's just just going. I mean, after a couple of rounds, there is not really a big difference if you mix. I mean, to to my view, if you mix five times, ten times, or a hundred times, you basically have a quite. I mean, that's that is uh, that broke the chain, right? In 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 Whirlpool. Uh, but obviously, if you if you're not doing that with this kind of same in same out fashion, then uh, you might need a bit more bit more rounds to kind of uh, reliably break these chains, and you won't be easy won't be that easy to prove it either. So there is uh, you know you can go go deep into comparing these, but uh, yeah, useful tools. And yeah, please continue. I don't want to kind of, you know, hijack all this. <laughs> no, I think that was a great comparison. Um, that, that was perfectly put. And uh, I think, you know, Join Market uh, is, is the OG. It's been around for what, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but 2015, I want to say. 15, yes, correct. Yeah, 2015. Um, and, you know, when we first started Samurai, which was, I, I believe, just a few months before, enjoy, uh, before Join Market got announced, um, it definitely served as something of an inspiration to try to replicate and figure out a way. Uh, I think actually our first um, designs were how to be a mobile join market interface, but back then it was so primitive that it was nearly impossible to do. Uh, it was still so early. Um, but but in any case, yeah, you know, join market is uh, has a great design choices in the uh, account segregation, as you mentioned, uh, OpenOMS, and you know that's. Uh, true. It was true in 2015, and it's true today. That's the uh, uh, probably the one of the most important aspects of the coin join is maintaining that that separation. Uh, so it, it really should be in every uh, coin join implementation. It should be mandatory for the uh, client to do that. Um, you know, I, if I was to if I was to disagree with anything, uh, nothing in what you said. But if I was to disagree with the protocol. I would say in since 2015, we've learned uh, a lot of things about on-chain analysis. We've learned how how chain analysis uh, chain analysis companies are um, processing the blockchain, how they're reading the blockchain, and we we understand that it's about the flows of UTXOs. Um, and it's my personal opinion that in in 2020, uh, you need to be going with equal output coin joins. Uh, not um, sp uh, coin join spends uh, because it doesn't reliably break the uh, transaction graph. And, and you, you mentioned this with saying that you, you'll need to do more rounds, many more rounds. Uh, and that, you know, that that's true. The, the rounds can help you, but they can also hurt you um, as well because of the presence of unmixed change within the actual mixed transactions. Uh, so I mean, if I was if I was join market, I would change one thing, uh, and that would be getting rid of the unmixed change that follows along the mixed transactions, and that'd be a huge, huge win for that protocol. And uh, I completely agree. Use both. There's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't use use both uh, both tools. Check them out. So so in, in, in <clears throat> you mean getting rid of the unmixed change in terms of the five accounts wouldn't be cyclical. So it never gets back to a previous change because I mean it, it gets rid of it in in the terms of it always separated to another account, but then yes, uh, 
but they'll be in a mixed transaction, a, a follow along mixed transaction, possibly. Yes, they. I mean, yes, they could. They could enter the same mix depth once the arm exchange has been in another coin join. It could uh, enter through that coin join. It could enter to to the same mix depth. It's right, and and we know yeah, that you can, yes. and we know that you can um, combine um, both accounts in the client in the join market client. Uh, that's as we said, they segregate the unmixed change from the the mixed uh, the mixed outputs. So we know that the mixed outputs in a join market transaction can't be the same entity that owns the unmixed change that are a part of that transaction, right? So, so all my all my point is, and I, and I don't want to make this a versus thing or anything like that because that's not what what we came here to do, uh, is that this was and it still is a good solution, uh, but you know our our feeling is that the strongest um, the strongest coin joins have no deterministic links and these unmixed change that follow along. In the transaction, are on uh, do create certain deterministic links within the coin join transaction. Now, there's plenty of probabilistic links. I mean, join market does work; it breaks up uh, and adds probability to the ownership of inputs to outputs. But there's certain transactions that are UTXOs that are linked mathematically, um, and getting rid of all of those actual linked mathematically UTXOs from the actual mixed transaction itself is, in our opinion. You know, needs to be the de facto or should be the de facto. Anything yeah, yeah. after that, yeah. like, you know, go. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I I, uh, I agree, and I completely, you know, do respect that what how this kind of structure is being built in and how clean or kind of you know straightforward it is. How how kind of the TX zero creates these equal amounts, and then basically once they entered the Whirlpool mix, once they have been through the first one then the their amount is just does it just doesn't change completely so it's not even just equal output as in the joint market but also it's equal equal input within within that pool so that that makes it it makes it just completely kind of homogenic as as, as i would see it it's as you usually um when people talk about like uh, chain analysis chain surveillance companies looking at to like whirlpool then you know if some if they say funds enter into that they just forget it there is no probabilities to look for whereas probably it like in your market as you say there could be some things to try and i mean yes probabilities with it low or yes could could be there yeah, but like metadata but, you know and you know like, you would still have to work to put these things together it's not like it's out there on a dish for you, uh, but but it's still there, and and that's what, again. I'm not like I'm not shitting on Join Market at all, because no. we have to remember Join Market's from 2015, and the fundamental working of Join Market in terms of how it breaks the chain hasn't changed since then. It's pretty much the same protocol uh, in terms of the chain breaking. Uh, you know, so I. I I think that we have we've learned things since then, and we we certainly have built on the shoulders of giants, you know, in terms of what we've learned uh, as a community and and, and and the privacy community. Yes, sure. So it's yes, the the recommendation from and some protocol changes has 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 changed since like 2015, including the uh, you know that kind of hugely interesting kind of analysis which was the analysis of transactions from 2015 uh, regarding this grid chain case, which uh, the the kind of summary um, research um, or, or 
is it is it OTX uh, research? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, OXT, that's, that's made. yeah, the grid shape case. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that was very interesting, and it was like a, a very good response to and discussion following that as well with like boxing and uh, you know there was a bit of back and forth. Uh, I think to the to the positive. Um, and the, what did they change since? Of what drone market has changed that there is more. I mean, in the tumbler, so in this waterfall kind of type of uh, uh, coin join uh, script, which does, uh, which is the most efficient way of doing it, is it does include transactions from the start, the first transaction and then a couple more, which does not create this um exchange at all, but uses uses all UTXO. So it kind of kind of tries to kind of prevent this this problem. And then that is the same kind of uh, recommendation when someone uses join market, which is obviously, you know, you cannot check people to do this. But to be to act as like a, a taker, the initiator of the coin join transaction, you can do the sweep transactions when you are using the ability to coin join any amount, you just coin join all the amount available in that account. And then you are not uh, creating any any um exchange at again and at again this is not like built into the protocol this is something which has i mean not not in the kind of non-tumblr protocol but um it's something which any user could do and you know it's recommended to do especially during like uh you know times where you have like one <laughs> one set for byte uh, transactions and like plenty of plenty of liquidity uh, available as well and uh, just one other thing i, I, I would want i wanted to um touch on that um, you have this so so obviously this is this is this is the issue right i mean i'm, I'm certain we will we will speak about this that um uh, whirlpool basically uh, so so or tries to solve this on exchange problem by just just separating and basically disposing those funds putting them in a in a not to use kind of wallet um not to use part of the wallet uh which which would be the um exchange and they which would be tied to all the inputs which have entered entered whirlpool in the in the tx0 and uh and that's those are the things i i'm i really would like to uh kind of go into and hear hear from you what what we will do about this um uh, but that's another thing which show market gives you a bit more flexibility that you have like five of these mixed ups by default i mean you can incre even increase them but uh this is kind of a uh, a good trade-off number and so funds from different sources you can also just uh deposit into the into the different accounts freely like uh, different new addresses in in different accounts and that what it means that they won't like enter into a TX0 just by themselves or just like merged when they are entering the TX0 because obviously the incentive with with Whirlpool is that the bigger amount you throw in there, proportionally less fees you are uh, you are uh, uh, paying, which is which is great 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 incentive. But people would tend to merge their funds from different sources, I would think. Uh, unless you know obviously being known and then you have like you uh, being warned about this and they, you have the idea of this multi-party tx zeros and things which are coming i'm sure that's 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 the thing as well but drone market gives this option to kind of from the start separate so inside one wallet you have five accounts and just separate your different sources to different accounts 
and that's that's just uh, another unique thing which which it can do and uh yeah, yeah please i mean please go on you know in the comments and you know what what what, what are you if i could just jump sense? in if i could yes, just please. jump in real quick here um i mean everything has trade-offs right and uh, join market and whirlpool have a lot of similarities but they're also very different um and they've selected very different uh, trade-off balances um the main one being that join market doesn't rely on a centralized coordinator um while samurai whirlpool does uh so you do have that issue where you don't have uh civil resistance against the coordinator itself you also have the issue that um i think when join market was was initially conceived uh it was this idea that uh maybe like no company could actually in the upcoming regulatory environment run an own coordinator you know run a centralized coordinator um fortunately that hasn't been the case yet but it could be in the future um and then you have we as as we were talking earlier is is the main the main threat vector that these implementations should be solving for is this idea of civil resistance against an external attacker um and join market accomplishes this uh by it has a maker taker system um where people post liquidity um as makers and they receive a fee for providing that maker liquidity um and the taker constructs the transaction so the taker is basically the coordinator in the transaction um and so so the 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 way that civil resistance is 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 attempted to be achieved there is by going through multiple makers because the worry has always been that a maker could be chain surveillance companies that chain surveillance companies can be running many makers um and the other thing that has has been added recently or is about to be added is this idea of fidelity bonds right where yeah. the makers have to if you're an honest maker um it will cost you less than if you're a civil attacker maker where you have to run basically multiple makers so you're going to end up paying you're going to end up locking up more bitcoin right uh, basically yeah no, basically you create a wallet where you where you uh, like could provably uh, time lock some funds let it be a, you know a, a month or even up to a couple of years and exponentially to the deposited the amount of deposited front funds time the times the time you will have a higher chance to be chosen by the takers because the takers would have an incentive and that will be in the in the kind of protocol change as well that uh the takers will have the incentive to choose people who have deposited more and more funds and you know you have if you deposit if you time look not just deposit because that's outside of what you're offering for coin joining um if if you dip, deposit uh, five times more um funds then you will have 25 times more um chance to get uh to get to be chosen and you know this will make it kind of exponentially uh more expensive to kind of just run multiple accounts where it would burst worth it much more to just run one account with your with your funds so this kind of sibling would, would be you know it would need to um lock a lot more funds to to be a, a significant part of the order book <clears throat> so that yeah, that's that the idea it's, it's coming with the next release it's being heavily tested now and it's just about to kind of uh being merged and and coming with the next major release 
uh, the Fidelity Bond. So it's every, anyone who wants to have a look or test, it, this is a very good time to do it because there is like a lively discussion and uh, and and still a kind of in a flux, but almost ready. Right, and then the, so on on the whirlpool side, the central coordinator, centralized coordinator, allows for um, first of all, you know, a, a chain surveillance company is going to have to pay their whirlpool fees if they want to try and sibyl the mixes. They're able to to add this this additional sibyl resistance that you can't do in a non centralized fashion. Um, it allows for a structured liquidity pool. Um, where you have these equal output coin joins that are designed to to be as non-deterministic as possible, um, and and you have a I, I, I feel like non-deterministic. They are right. non-deterministic. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess they're non-deterministic without any external data. Um, they're on chain. But there's external data everywhere. But yeah, I agree on that. Um, thank you for the correction. And then. The, 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 also the advantage I would say of a centralized coordinator, which is kind of a nuanced advantage, um, is that you end up with a, a, a better user experience. Uh, I feel like it's, uh, it, it not only does it reward the service provider that's providing the centralized coordination with fees, which goes towards improving the project, um, but it provides a the, like the communication mechanism uh, because you're going to a centralized server uh, via Tor, but you're going to a centralized server is a a smoother communication system rather than going through like the modified IRC communication that Join Market uses. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. It's like I mean, it's like any any service, right? A centralized service is generally going to be offer a better experience than a non-centralized service. The the difference with Whirlpool is there's nothing mission critical critical about what the centralized service is doing. So it's not taking custody, it's not taking private keys, it's not reading reading messages. It's just a message passer. It's 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 essentially um, the same coordination that uh, Join Market or Wasabi or anything uses. Uh, it's just a, a Join Market is non-custodial. Oh, sorry, it's it's um, it's a decentralized because it routes via the modified IRC. Um, which is itself a a um, decentralized yeah, network. Yeah, but it also comes with rate limiting, which is a of course that, that has its own trade-offs. <laughs> and yes. and but honestly, it's amazing how how far Join Market has progressed over the years using IRC to coordinate. It's it's very cool. Uh, it was it was a cool idea, and its its deployment is very nice to see. Um, I, we actually think that Join Market could could make very good use of Soroban for coordination, um, especially in a federated type of model that we're we're kind of considering. But that's that's besides the point. Um, and one one clarification I think needs to be made, Matt, uh, and that is that it's not our primary objective to to stop civil attacks. That's that's a you know it's kind of a fundamental to given. Uh, the coordinator needs to make sure that they're not being civil attacked because the fundamental objective is to make sure the user is obtaining the best possible mix they can they can achieve, um, and preventing civil attacks falls under that umbrella. Uh, but the way you described it is correct. Yes, um, <clears throat> they would have to pay the coordinator fee to us, uh, and that is a method of civil resistance. The second. 
Second issue is the uh, concept of structured liquidity, uh, meaning that a chain analysis uh, UTXO will only be able to poison uh, one mix at a time. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, counter to their objectives there. Um, and any, any kind of modified clients or any kind of um, notice that a UTXO might be connected to another UTXO that's coming in to the pool as a, on, a, uh, on a different client, the coordinator will, will keep note of that, will keep an eye out on that and automatically blacklist uh, those UTXOs. So, you know, we take our, our job as coordinator very, very seriously in creating, a, creating an environment that is um, going to create the best possible mixes for our users. Because uh, fundamentally what matters at the end of the day is the tracks you leave behind on chain. Um, and, you know, we need our, chain, our, our mixes on chain to be as strong as possible. Yeah, so you can say the civil, res civil resistance is like the question of like preventing the, the real-time ongoing surveillance, right? Uh, but what remains forever is, is the uh, track on the chain, which can be looked back at any time. Uh, Absolutely. Know, even five years later to um, try to uh, yeah, track back some events. It's it's the difference between an active attacker versus a passive attacker that might come in in two years or three years or something like that. Yeah, well, real, uh, I mean, real, real time, real time, trying to kind of uh, cheat the system is is much more expensive and much more kind of uh, much more energy uh, uh, requirement is needed for that much more work than just uh, you know spinning up an algorithm later on which they are getting better and better and they will be able to go deeper and deeper into the connections um, and then you know they might find out even more than what they do now later on on the chain so yeah the mix quality is obviously it's a it's a hugely important aspect and you know that is something you might pay you might consider paying more as well Yeah, just, just to that, that, just to yes. roll back just a few uh, uh, conversation point ago, open knobs. I forgot to get to respond to you. Um, I'm happy to hear that the OXT report on uh, grid chain was useful uh, for the community, and those changes were made. I wasn't I, I wasn't aware that those changes had been made, um, and I think that's you know a perfect example of uh, how you know uh, those research reports are supposed to be used, you know, to improve the privacy. Um, prospect for the users, uh, you know, for the developers of the protocol, you know, not to take it with blind faith, but to explore the findings for themselves and see what they, you know, what they find and if, if they need to create a, a, a change or a fix or whatever. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And uh, I'm happy to hear that OXT research was useful in that. Oh, I mean, the discussion was, was hugely useful. And, and, you know, it was, it was fantastic. I think it, it pointed out um this toxic recall attack was you know it's pointed out something which which you know people weren't aware of before so it was kind of a concept which was not known but just to be clear the changes within the tumblr protocol and uh yeah exactly that was introduced like in 2016 so it was sh shortly after the transactions which have been like you know it was introduced after the transaction which have been analyzed mostly i understand okay. in, in in the research but then 
that is on Waxwing's blog. That is like a, 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 a good couple of pages response, not as detailed as the research, but you know, trying to make Indian points. And there is like a good recommendation of usage, which includes the recommendation to do this kind of thing, which uh, is to alternate the taker and the maker roles. So initiate some coin joints and uh, and avoid the arm exchange in, with uh, with sweeping. UTXOs and and mix depth occasionally. Got it. So I mean, I guess like we found ourselves uh, talking coin join implementations here uh, and the trade-offs of the different coin join implementations. I mean, I guess it it would only make sense to jump into Wasabi for a little bit um, <laughs> since it is probably partially because of my doing as a major wasabi promoter uh that has since retracted my endorsement um of the tool i you know i personally think it's a, a waste of money and is dangerous to users um should we should we jump into the concerns about using wasabi and and what i mean what join market and and whirlpool you know how how they differ from wasabi in that regard yeah, sure. I mean, in the same way that we published a OXC report on um, on join market in the grid chain case, we published um, about three OXT reports on uh, Wasabi and in in great detail. And you know the the conclusion that we've come to is the same uh, as you that it's it's not safe for users to use to obtain any reasonable amount of privacy. Um, they're fundamentally and architecturally flawed. And I think they know it, uh, though they won't admit it. Uh, and they're hoping to, to fix the issues in their second version um, to be determined when that is released. Um, you know, as to what the flaws are in particular, you know, I'm not gonna go into great, great detail because everything is, uh, is freely available. We made everything uh, and published everything reproducibly so users can can check it out for themselves. But um, the the major issues, again, uh, fundamentally are, well, I guess you have to start at the most basic level is that there's there's rampant address use on both uh, on a systemic level within the Wasabi client, uh, not a modified client, the Wasabi client. Um, it still to this day occurs. We don't, they don't explain why uh, you get address reuse on both sides of the same mixed transaction. You'll see one address on the input side and the same exact address on the output side. That's absolutely not normal for any uh, anything, but let alone a coin join transaction. Uh, to to bigger issues like again um, unmixed change following you around, creating this peeling chain. Again, not a serious issue by itself, as we were discussing earlier, but a a piece of metadata that is for, used uh, to further undermine the quality of these mixes with all the other issues um, to, you know, at play in, in the Wasabi client. Um, <clears throat> gosh, where, where, where else? Well, if I could just jump in here uh, real quick. Um, first of all, one of the, you know, not only is does it end up in a, in a poor quality mix if you um, have reused addresses with Wasabi, but it also means that the user is paying more because the Wasabi fee structure, whilst the, the Wasabi implementation, the, the most similar aspect it has to Whirlpool is that it relies on a centrally, centralized coordinator that's blinded 
um, that runs through Tor. Um, the fee structure is completely different. So with the fee structure of Wasabi, um, you're literally paying for the amount of perceived other users that are in your mix. Um, the, the amount of other UTXOs that are in your mix with you and it scales based on that. So if you have users that are reusing addresses, um, you're not getting any benefit from them participating in the, uh, in the mix, but you are paying Wasabi for them being part of it. Um, and one of the main benefits of a centralized coordinator is that you do get benefit of them enforcing structured liquidity. Um, so the, you know, one of the reasons why you'd want to use uh, a centralized coordinator over something like join market is that they prevent something like that from happening. It, it is, even though it's blinded, it can completely stop reused addresses from happening. Um, but they haven't implemented anything in that regard. Um, and it's curious because they do get paid more in that result. Um, I think an interesting case for us to talk about, and I have uh, I have a screenshot of it on the screen for anyone watching the video, was uh, the the Twitter uh, hacker, uh, which everyone you know news these days. It just goes in one year out the other. Everyone forgets about the Twitter hacker when um, they got access to the God mode at Twitter and was compromising all the different major accounts. I think he even tweeted from Biden's account uh, before Biden was president. Um, so he used Wasabi. Um, and what's interesting here is a lot, of, a lot of talk devolves into user error with Wasabi. This idea that you shouldn't, um, you, sh you shouldn't obviously combine uh, your unmixed change with uh, with your mixed uh, UTXOs after they go through uh, the mixing process. But in the case of the Wasabi hack, I mean, the case of the Twitter hacker who used Wasabi, he didn't actually combine, um, he didn't combine his unmixed change with his postmix. What he did was because he didn't remix, and correct me if I'm wrong, and that's what this shows here on the screen, is because he didn't remix and the unmixed change went through as a, as a as a peeling chain and went through with the mix. Um, you could do you could do basic math with the unmixed change and his consolidated post mix. He only consolidated what he did was he consolidated his post mix transactions, but he didn't consolidate it with the unmixed change. But if you just did the math, you saw his input go in, and you did the math, and with high probability, those consolidated mix outputs are his, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this. I think I did this graphic if I if I remembered correctly, and your explanation is uh, spot on. Um, this is this is like I said. This is the metadata right that follows along the transaction. So that unmixed change uh, two point one five nine shouldn't be there. Shouldn't be in a mixed transaction. So this has nothing to do with the user. Uh, this isn't user error. And you know, in in Whirlpool, we don't allow. Um, for more than one UTXO to be in a single mix. So this guy had three UTXOs here, at least, um, in this in this mix. Uh, that wouldn't happen with Whirlpool, right? He would have one UTXO in each individual mix. Now he would, if he still consolidated them in a post-mix spend, you know, there's a risk that you could, you know, uh, analyze that post-mix spend and uh, have some degree of certainty that maybe it came from this initial deposit. Um, but not as much as you have here. Uh, so, you know, 
it, it's it, a little bit does come down to the user and their Postmix activity. But in the case that we're looking at right here, the user couldn't have done anything different. They just used the protocol as it was designed. Yeah, and and from my usage of Wasabi, it does warn you if you consolidate if you try and uh, mix the unmixed chain if you try and combine the unmixed change with your postmix, but it doesn't warn you if you consolidate postmix together, I believe. Um, just yeah, and, and, and a level of consolidation needs to be assumed that, you know, a user is, you know, is at some point going to have to consolidate some UTXOs in postmix together to make a spend. Now, in a good mix, that shouldn't ma necessarily matter too much, right? If you, if you're only, doing a small amount, uh, a subset of your total amount that you put in, there's not going to be an amount correlation analysis uh, done there. Um, if you're if you're putting in like, you know, 500 BTC and taking out 500 BTC a couple days later, you know, an analyst is going to look at that and go, well, I can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure that's the guy. Right. And they're going to keep an eye on it and wait for more clues. Um, you know, so if you're but it, it, you know, a small amount of consolidation shouldn't harm you if the mix quality is is good. So, so I mean, part of this comes into play uh, with the Whirlpool implementation is this idea that first of all, uh, something we talk about a lot uh, in this space is incentives, um, and Whirlpool incentivizes remixing because. You only pay when you enter the liquidity pool. You don't pay for subsequent mixes. Um, with Wasabi, you pay for every remix. So, and the default is just one, one mix basically. The default is an an onset of fifty. So, if you do one round of fifty or more UTXOs, um, it's just going to default to a single round. Um, so, you have a couple things there. You have defaults. You have incentives. Um, and then the third thing is this idea of post-mix tools. And, and by default with Whirlpool, which I think is really cool, is that when you make a transaction out of the post-mix, you know, especially a consolidation transaction, it will default to something you guys call Stonewall, which is a, um, an imitation uh, two or more person coin join. Uh, this this idea that on chain, it looks like a two person coin join. And that is, um, that only works because, that only works as a deception because in the wallet, you also have the option of doing something you call Stonewall 2X, as opposed to just regular Stonewall. And that's when you actually do a person to person uh, coin join uh, as a spend. Um, and and that is done without the centralized coordinator. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Part of the idea is this main trade-off that we have with the centralized coordinator, um, where there's no there, there's no real civil resistance against the centralized coordinator, is is def, is mitigated because this idea that after you do the postmix, you're able to then do a coin join easily. Uh, without the coordinator and even if you do don't do a coin join the coordinator doesn't know if you did a coin join or not because it looks on chain like it was a coin join right yep yeah you you explained it perfectly um it's identical to so you have a stonewall and you have a stonewall x2 um or times two um and that's exactly what it means it's a stonewall with an additional participant um that looks exactly like the stonewall and you can't distinguish it on chain or not and um 
it's the a broader concept of that once once mixing has been achieved and the the user is in a you know it's never finished the user is in a constant state of remixing for as long as those utxos are in the samurai wallet uh, those utxos are available for remixing um when it comes time for the inevitable event where the user needs to spend whether that's to a merchant or to cold storage or to whatever our, our, our theory is that there needs to be a variety of different tools, which we call post-mix spend tools. Um, and these tools will solve different problems. Um, one, one problem being consolidating too many UTXOs um, to make a, a send to you know, an external third party, uh, not yourself. And that's what Stonewall, uh, Stonewall X2 aims to, aims to help. There's still a level of consolidation happening, but there's there's what we what's termed as entropy associated with that transaction. Meaning the number of combinations of inputs to outputs are are, are dramatically more than a normal quote unquote simple Bitcoin transaction. Uh, but that's just one of the tools we have. The other tool we have, of course, is Stowaway, and this is useful when you're sending um, to someone one who has samurai so it's a limited pool already but uh two when you want to send to that person and you want that person to be involved as a participant in the transaction uh the the, the biggest benefit of this is it looks like a simple transaction on the blockchain um and uh the amount that's been transacted isn't visible on the blockchain and of course, join market users will be familiar with this functionality because I believe it's in the join market uh, wallet as as a uh, pay join. Yeah, pay join, pay to pay to EP. Yeah, yeah, pay to endpoint. Yeah. So it's it's a different implementation, but it's it's very very similar uh, functionality. Yeah, yes, on, on the uh, yes, I mean in join market it is like it. it, it it, so it has multiple implementations, compatible implementations, including BTC Pay, which is like the biggest kind of uh, thing where the, which the actual merchants use. Um, and obviously donations and, you know, lots of, lots of sites can use uh, BTC Pay, and which supports PayJoin. Uh, Obviously, it needs to run a hot wallet on a server, so there is a bit of a disincentive there. And I think there are some mobile wallets which have implemented it, like uh, uh, I, yeah, there is like a table on Bitcoin Wiki, which is I think Blue Wallet and and maybe the Green Wallet does it as well, but or, or they are just planning. But um, yeah, that's yes. I mean, Postmix tools are like are, are just like the tools you. you so there is like in Joy Market, there is no strict separation between. Uh, CoinJoin tools and Postmix tools, except PayJoin, obviously, that is only when you're sending to someone. But uh, the fact that you are able to to um, pay with the CoinJoin, finding peers in that you know encrypted IRC chat <laughs> uh, with with your bot is is gives you the ability to to kind of uh, go down go go off to go off to cold storage, and that that's something I, I like to. What I'd really like to ask you, I would like to like hear more about it. What's your kind of, uh, you know, long-term vision of, of you know, how how do you imagine that people will, if it picks up, I mean, if the privacy kind of tools usage would pick up, and then, you know, we would really 
see every transaction as a coin join. Do you think it's? Do you think that is really possible, or do you think it is? Uh, or, or are you working for the current kind kind of environment, serving your users? You. Uh, have at the moment and you know making the best out of the circumstances and it might be very much different in like five years uh that's a that's a good question i i think that when i say make every spended coins when i'm talking to our users and i'm talking to the people who who want to use bitcoin i want to use it privately for whatever reason there's a multitude of reasons i'm not necessarily talking to the mass market uh you know i even right. if I believe that, even if I believe that all, you know, uh, spends should be a coin join, then we have the tools to make, you know, quote unquote, all, you know, spends a coin join. I know that it not, you know, that's not going to be the case. Um, but I also know that a lot of transactions are whirlpool transactions currently, on on chain. So I think that, you know, there is a demand from users, and our users are, you know, they grow all the time. Uh, month over month in terms of user base and it costs them BTC to do this right like that's a that's a very clear indicator that something we're doing something right there and they want what we're providing there and uh, so we're, we're we're bullish on in that regard we're definitely bullish in that regard um, because that that really is you know paying like showing like voting with your wallet right um yeah so i you know i know not everyone but whoever needs to hear it that's basically who right um what what i so what i loved most about uh about using you know multiple tools is that uh I mean, one thing is the selection of different sizes of UTXOs. I mean, you know, having multiple pools is already a great start. I mean, you know, just point one Bitcoin is is not good. I mean, that's just it. It is good like uh, when the price was like you know three thousand or like even even like in between that. But but now, what is point one Bitcoin is like three thousand dollars. I mean, you know, what do I do with that? Uh, it's not useful for too much, too, too, too many kind of applications. So like having multiple 100,000, 1 million, 5 million, and 50 million is, 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 is very useful. But uh, I love to have like a selection of these. And then also what I really, because my kind of view of how spending would be, and you know, at the same time, we are looking at this mempool chart, which is like it's like it's 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 it is a ghost star. We you know there are like multiple multiple non-full blocks coming up in the in the previous previous blocks. So in this case, you know, I would like to have every 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 spend as a coin join, but um, and every transaction as a coin join, but not when you know the fees are in the multiple hundreds sets per byte, and then then the activity does visibly fall down as well, as well as in Whirlpool, as well as in join market. Uh, it's perceivable that you don't have that many transactions a day. So then it comes the time of these scaling tools, which is like the main is lightning. And also you can do swaps 
into lightning, which <laughs> do break the chain to, uh, to, to a good extent as well. And um, what my vision is, or how I'd like to feel it most, most efficient to uh, use Bitcoin, is have these private UTXOs and just fund a lightning channel with them. And then basically that is the best transaction from which I can fairly comfortably can spend because it is it is spending with lightning is is quite private when I mean, it has this aspect of the ongoing surveillance it can be it can be uh done but uh quite unlikely and it's even less than you know the problem with severe resistance and coherence and things so especially if you have like just one channel there is no no way of probing that um if if, if there are no like payments payments are going through the node. Uh, so what you're doing when you're opening a, a lightning channel is basically batching all those transactions which you have done on lightning to those two transactions, which is opening or closing. And then you can make those, those the UTXO basically com completely disappear on this second layer when you spend all of it on, on lightning or and when you close the channel, there is no change. If that is changed, then you know the change would belong into CoinJoin again, and not uh, you know should not be merged together with like, especially transactions on that node or with you know other kinds of funds. So <laughs> that's what I see, and I, and I, to to be the most the best way, and I'm not expecting a kind of a similar wallet to be able to. Not to be able to to work on you know implementing lightning because it's just crazy. Like you know, let's see what what like Alex Wallet did. You know, uh, they worked on it for like a year or more, and uh, completely disregarding any other thing, and they got an implementation which is, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it's very exciting as a programmer and a developer, but I, I don't know anyone who actually uses like lightning in Electrum, right? Because it's nowhere near as good as as the dedicated lightning implementation so it's not the best to kind of um suddenly change ch change your mind and just uh divide all the all the resources you have to to to, to move to <clears throat> work on something else even if you would you, you would think it's it's useful but i know your position might be a bit different but what i like to do is to have the freedom to be able to kind of sign transactions which then got to be lightning channels so um, at the moment in summary wallet you can you can do sign like raw transactions which can be like with a, a couple going through a couple of hoops can be generated with like you know electrum or, or like it, even even inspector or like uh, invo involving uh, involving sentinel and things like that a bit in, in a clunky way but do you are you planning to like fully support the kind of PSBT format, which can be then, you know, make it more flexible. And you don't need to support Lightning to be able to, you know, send the Postmix UTXOs to straight to a Lightning channel. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, PSBT support is largely implemented in Samurai. It's just not hooked up to any of the, um, to any UI or anything like that currently. Um, but yeah, we have, we have plans for full PSBT support. We, we supported it, um, when it was first proposed and started implementing it then. 
uh, we're just a little delayed because uh, it needs it needs to be implemented uh, on the Sentinel side of things as well, and a, a proper UI needs to be created because, as you stated, it's there's quite a few hoops and it's a little clunky right now. Mm. But yes, so your user will definitely be able to to process and and create PSPTs. If that's great, I mean, I I think if I could jump in here real quick, um, I mean, I think we all agree that lightning is a post-mix tool just to go back to our earlier conversation yeah 100 um, like everything else it should be, it's a post-mix tool um the the open arms in the beginning also made an interesting point about he didn't say it specifically but he was referring to the fact that wasabi has this single equal output pool size, which is 0.1 Bitcoin, 10 million sats, which is $3,500. So basically, um, you're saying to users, you know, you have to have $3,500 in order to use this privacy tool, um, which to me is like an incredible non-starter if you're trying to increase usage. Um, and, and with these equal output coin joins, whether it's uh, Wasabi or Whirlpool, um, you have this issue where you have this equal output and anything uh, that's left over is this idea of toxic change, right? And Whirlpool has accomplished, uh, Whirlpool has attempted to mitigate this fact by adding multiple pool sizes. So what we see with a lot of users is they might go into the largest pool size, they go into the 50 million sat pool size, and then they take their change and then they go into the the next pool size, the 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 five million sat pool size, and then they go into the one million sat pool size, and then they take their remaining change and they go into the hundred thousand sat pool size, um, and they're left over with UTXOs, a bunch of UTXOs um, that are under a hundred thousand sats. Um, you know, so so one of the things that I was really bullish on was this idea of, um, and, and the problem is, so you could theoretically in Samurai Wallet, um, then take those, that toxic change that is, that, that has, uh, that, that is, is, is linked to whatever source that it originated from. And you can combine that with your other toxic change to go into a larger pool size. But that's obviously uh, bad practice because, um, you you link those transactions together on chain. It's the common input ownership heuristic all over again. Um, the uh, so one of yeah. One of the, so rule rule of thumb is just don't do that. But you know, unless you know what you're doing and you're combining from the same source and all this stuff. But rule of thumb is don't do that. <laughs> right. It's it's more than rule of thumb in the wallet itself. When you do it, it says, "Do you want to mark this unspendable as toxic change?" And basically, yeah. uh, the default is to just leave it there. Now, you had this, there, there was this concept being floated around, and I haven't heard much about it since, but this idea of multi-party transaction zeros, where you, you go in with a, like a couple trusted buddies, because they can obviously see your transactions that you add, um, and you all go into a new round together, so that common input ownership heuristic is broken, so no one knows... Um, if it's if it's four people going into a transaction zero together with their toxic change, or if it's one person that's combining toxic change and going into a transaction zero, is that still something that is on the samurai roadmap, or has that been discarded as a concept? No, no, that's certainly on the roadmap. But I believe it's been coded, and I believe it's in the testing process. So. 
Well, that's awesome. Um, another aspect of the multiple pools is that, and I, I brought it up earlier to the people watching the video stream, and I'll bring it up one more time. Um, uh, Freak Typerbole uh, created this tracking website. Uh, it's bitcoinkpis.com slash privacy. And he's tracking uh, the different um, activity among the different pool sizes. And one of the aspects here is that they're, they're distinct liquidity pools. So as you add more pool sizes, um, you're really you're breaking up the liquidity of the user base. And so you're breaking up the total anon set that the user can achieve in any given pool. Um, so I'm curious like how much thought is given into when you add additional pools, you know, what what size, you know, like what what is your thinking in regard to um, you know, adding more pool sizes or removing pool sizes, stuff like that? Yeah, it's a great question. No, we're very conservative when it comes to adding uh, pools. Um, you theoretically could remove a pool, but it's kind of like one of those things, like it'd be really a real pain to do it. Uh, so, you know, we like to think that once a pool's there, it's always there. Uh, so we want to be careful uh, when when issuing or, or launching a new pool because it's very easy to do, but we don't want to fracture liquidity. Um, so one of the bare minimum things that we do is make sure that the 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 pools that are closest in proximity to the denomination are um, stable and are you know flowing freely so to speak so the when we added the the, the newest pool we have is the uh, 0.001 pool and that was added um, once we once we were comfortable with the 0.01 pool in terms of how many mixes it was, it, it was getting a day, the average kind of waiting time a pre-mixer uh, could expect. And you, you, you always worry a little bit that it's gonna cannibalize the other pools, but so far we don't see, we don't see that because it certainly doesn't harm the announcement because for the most part, users are staying in the pool that they, they initially went into with the UTXOs and engaging in free remixing because that's what the incentives kind of align towards. Um, so it's about it's about taking away new liquidity, li liquidity that would have gone to the the pool, but now there's another option, um, and that was the that was the primary worry. But so far, it hasn't been a uh, it hasn't been realized. The the zero zero one pool has been very popular, and it brings it bring with, with brand new users who are just totally priced out of whirlpool to begin with. You know, so it really just opened the doors to to a brand new uh, user base, who, which is what our goal was with that pool. Now that, that and that's the same exact reason why we won't open a larger pool yet, which we get we get requests all the time for like a one Bitcoin pool or even larger, um, but we don't feel that the zero point five pool has reached that level of of maturity yet. You know, it's still it's still too unpredictable. Appreciate that answer. Um, we so we last week we had uh, Craig Raw on of Sparrow Wallet, and we had uh, Keto Miner on. And one of the discussions was this idea of integrating Whirlpool into uh, Sparrow Wallet. And uh, I I feel like it's a it's it's an under discussed aspect of your aspirations with Whirlpool. This idea that you can easily 
implement Whirlpool into other wallets and provide an incentive for those wallet devs in terms of um, they get a they get a portion of their users' uh, Whirlpool fees. Um, you want to like is, is this 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 is some is this something that you're actively um, you would like to see that you would like to see other wallets implement Whirlpool as well, so that they're part of the same liquidity pool as as Samurai users. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was it was designed like that from the get go. Um, it was designed to be to be able to be um, uh, used by multiple clients, multiple uh, diverse clients, uh, if we could get other people to use it. So we're we're very happy to uh, talk with any wallets who want to implement it. Uh, it's a great way to bring one, you know, fantastic privacy to their users, uh, to to monetize their wallets, because uh, as you said, the the coordinator fee can be shared between the two wallet developers, um, and and it's a it's it's a great way to diversify the liquidity pool of of the whirlpool for all users. It's you know, so it's essentially like adding a bunch of new dojo only users to the whirlpool coordinator right you can kind of think of it like that because the samurai wallet server for non-dojo users knows the xpubs of those users the, the whirlpool server doesn't but since you know we operate both servers though they're independent some users are concerned about that so the mitigation of course is to run dojo but if you don't run dojo you you know samurai server has your xpub the mitigation in this sense of other wallets implementing Whirlpool is there's a whole new uh, entrance of liquidity from a, 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 a and the Samurai wallet server has no knowledge of those 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 wallets, their balances, their UTXOs, their addresses or anything about them. Uh, and the Whirlpool coordinator, of course, doesn't need to know any of that stuff. Right. It doesn't need to know wallet history or anything. It's blind. So it's, it's, it's a really solid benefit for us as coordinator to get a, divide, a, a more diverse liquidity pool. There's a nice incentive for the external wallet developers. Um, and it's an overall win for users. And, and even if the wallet developers wanted to, like we're hyper competitive with each other, like, you know, let's say we, you know, we were competing for the exact same user and we were, we were on desktop as well. And, you know, we had a contentious relationship or something like that. They could still build it in, and the market could could determine based on the quality of Postmix tools, based on all these different aspects of the wallet. But at the core fundamental mixing, the user is getting the best in class mixing in both. You know, you, you kind of know what I mean there. So we're super, you know, interested in anyone reaching out to us, but but uh, specifically Craig because it's both it's a Java um, implementation, and he has a Java wallet. You know, it's kind of a match made in heaven. It'd be a very, I think it'd be a very easy implementation. Right. Even if, even, I mean, in, in Sparrow, it's different because he doesn't run his own servers. Uh, by default, it chooses uh, Electrum servers. And I, he has a recommended list of uh, public Electrum servers that he thinks um, have good reputations in terms of privacy. Um, and you obviously can also use your own node. Um, and with, with the, I've repeated this many times on the show, but if you don't use your own node, you're trusting someone else's node uh, with your with your transactions, and and there's a privacy concern there. Um, if even even if there was a wallet like uh, like Ledger Live, where it's default light client wallet, 
um, it helps mitigate that risk of, of of basically a lot of a lot of samurai light client users all being in a in the pools together because you'd also have ledger live light client users or you'd have you know blue wallet light client users or whatever exactly yeah it just creates a very diverse uh diverse pool so it's it's great so again that, that's the thing about whirlpool it's agnostic to how you know the client derives addresses how it runs balances how it takes care of you it doesn't matter to whirlpool the coordinator right so you know um sparrow can do it one way and then all these other wallets, maybe one's an SPV wallet, it does it that way. The other wallet, you know, has another type of thing. Doesn't matter. They can all tie into Whirlpool. And for from the user perspective, their liquidity pool has grown and it's it, they're all from different uh, services, right? And so all, the, all yeah. the different providers would have to basically collude to reduce the onset uh, mm -hmm. behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah so to, I, I would to, like to see that more. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it's a perfect... I think it's perfectly aligned incentives for wallet developers to implement it. Um, we think that the the proof is in is in the pudding within terms of whirlpool transactions. We think they're proven, uh, they're effective, they're high entropy. Um, we we'll eventually be at the point we're not there yet where we can start to increase the number of inputs and outputs. So instead, maybe we'll see a a seven input seven out trend, a whirlpool transaction soon. Maybe a ten in ten out. That just increases the number of combinations. Um, amount of entropy that are in the transactions. So I think it's a bright future. And especially as more wallet developers realize that that this is a solid way to to grow their wallet, get support for their wallet and and provide their users a valuable tool. So they can contact us anytime. We'll, we'll definitely talk about uh, about implementations. Awesome. Um... Another another thing we discussed on uh, last week's show was this idea of uh, the BIP 47 payment codes, uh, you call them paynims. Um, they are, it's this idea that in a, in a relatively private way, you can have, um, a static text string that allows you to, to send transactions, uh, repeatedly, uh, whether that's a friend or a business partner, or if it's donations, I think a big one is donations. I, I mean, obviously, um, the show runs on donations, uh, so that that is one reason why I'm focused on it. But it's also because I've I've been doing a lot of work in activist circles, and they don't want to run a BTC Pay server. Uh, they don't want to they don't want to run something so heavy in order to have some kind of private um, donations received to them. You know, they they and and they operate in in situations that have, in a lot of ways, way way. Uh, more dangerous threat models because they have, you know, authoritarian regimes or whatnot that they're working against and they're, they're doing active surveillance against them. Um, so I, one of the things that Keto Miner said, and I had never really considered this, is in the, the, the way the spec works is it provides, there's, there's way more node overhead um, on a user's node or even worse, a public node um, if if you have many uh, if you have many you know peers that you're using paynims with because you have to track the addresses of each individual peer as well to make sure that you received a payment or not. Um, I'm curious is if this is something that you know you guys have struggled with uh, you know in terms of paynim usage because I mean that is you know you're the only wallet that supports it right now. Um, I wouldn't say we've struggled with it. it I, I, I wouldn't say that it 
that in increases overhead, so to speak. I mean, maybe in a way it does, but uh, I mean, any user's dojo is already handling this, this, uh, this, and they're doing it's doing it uh, fine. Um, the in dojo language, we use the term loose address. So what the dojo knows about, or the samurai server knows about, is uh, what your wallet, the, the address that your wallet has derived that is unique between your payment code and your counterpart's payment code. Um, and that doesn't get, it's because this, this address is outside of your XPUB space. This isn't associated with an XPUB at all. It's a completely different uh, model. Uh, so this would be stored by the dojo. And when the wallet makes the call to retrieve balances and transactions and UTXOs from, from your dojo, it would ask for your XPUBs, but also include these loose addresses. So the overhead isn't that much. Uh, it's just some more addresses to keep track of. Um, so Dojo is fine and can handle it fine. I think we're serving something like, um, well, uh, oh, 400,000 PayNIMS right now. Um, you know, a varying usage. You know, the, currently, I will say that there are there are usability challenges within Samurai Wallet for for uh, traditional payments uh, that we're aware of. Uh, we we've implemented payment right from the start, so we have version one of the spec, and we're working on uh, implementing version three of the spec, which which um, takes care of a lot of uh, of a lot of the usability um, challenges associated with payments today. But uh, overall. Uh, no, it's not a it's not a huge challenge to overcome. You don't hear from like Dojo users saying that their node is struggling from from BIP forty seven usage. No, no, not not at all. I mean, the most we'll see is something like my my Dojo missed that transaction, right? So they need to rescan, and so it can right. find it again. And it's more and of a UX that, issue. Yeah, exactly. Or 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 something is timed out, perhaps, and one of the requests from the wallet to the dojo can that can just be due to Tor being kind of flaky. It can be it can be a bug in our code that we haven't found yet, where that killed the connection. So you know, it could that could be a number of things. But but as as, as far as a strain, no. I mean, if you're running like a Ronin node, for example, you have pretty phenomenal uptime uh, on pretty pretty modest hardware. You know, so I, th I think most people with normal pain and activity are, are not having any issues at all with, with that particular aspect of it. Well, that's great. Um, I mean, for me, the main issue I have uh, with with uh, PayNIMS is that it's Samurai only. Um, obviously, that means that someone who's donating needs to be uh, an Android user that's using Samurai Wallet. Um, in your opinion, why do you think that we haven't seen uh, more BIP forty seven adoption. Like, why don't we have PayNIMS in other wallets right now? You know, I think it, it's kind of a tough bit to implement, uh, it, or, and it has been that has been true for a long time. There was never any um, complete library support in any of the major languages. Uh, there, there was attempts to start, and then you know the project kind of fizzled out because it was just like a lone contributor, but they did, they made good progress and hopefully someone would pick it up, that kind of thing. Um, TDEV wrote the early uh, test vectors for the bit, uh, replicated the, 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 the test vectors. Uh, so there has been working code, but you would have to go through, you know, the, the repo, parse the Java, and then convert it to whatever language you're working with. 
so I, I think that's there's been you know a, a challenge on the implementation side of things, and and the fact that it, it's not a, again a straightforward implementation. There's a lot of crypto that's involved, um, you know, so low level crypto, uh, especially with version one and the notification address and exchanging uh, signatures and all this sort of thing. Um, I think that the discouragement by the core development um, or developers of, the, of the, around the time that the proposal was first introduced also kind of just dampened the enthusiasm around it um, for the exception of us and a few other wallets who went ahead with implementing it, but unfortunately just no longer around. They, they folded a, few, you know, a couple of years after. So we're the only wallet that has it currently. Uh, and you know, it's just one of the, one of those things that hopefully other wallets will realize that their users can be really well served by this type of this type of functionality. And it is a perfect use case for donations, and it's a perfect use case for Bitcoin businesses who want to pay their their staff salary on or their payrolls um, or, or or any other uh, kind of payments like that. So there's a lot of potential. It can be used as an identity system. It can be used in in all sorts of ways. Uh, and we've only scratched the surface of Bit, uh, Bit 47. Uh, so we're looking forward to exploring that further. So, I mean, you mentioned uh, the discouragement of usage uh, by uh, Bitcoin core developers at the time. Um, if I recall correctly, the main concern was uh, chain space usage, that it was inefficient in terms of chain space usage. And if these go up, um, it would get prohibitively expensive. Um, is that correct? That was one of the, um, the arguments. It was specifically that there was an opportune transaction required, um, for what is termed in the BIP as the notification transaction. This is the on-chain transaction that exists that allows both, both clients to retrieve the pain and state or pain and data, uh, from a monomic restore. Right. So without the use of a central third party server, they can use the blockchain to restore and, and get their pain and connection um, that way. Uh, I'm not opposed to the blockchain uh, or opportune transaction. I'm opposed to it because it's a UX nightmare. You know, the user first has to initiate this this transaction um, before then, before like kind of to set up their channel, quote unquote, to send to this person later. Um, it's it's a you know it's it inhibits the use of the feature. So I don't think that's a reason to discourage use of stealth addresses in Bitcoin. I think that oh, by and large, stealth addresses with the trade also are a win either way, and that's what payments provide. Um, but luckily, in version three, that whole concept of the notification transaction is dramatically altered, and it's gotten away. It's taken away. Uh, and I, I believe Craig went into this already on the last episode, but it's it's a, a bare multi-sig transaction that's replaced, and that can be a part of any transaction that the wallet is creating. It can kind of just hop along, um, and and be completely, um, you know, scalable in that sense, and not cost the user anything other than the, just the small amount of added weight to the transaction. Uh, so you know, these things solve themselves over time. Um, but that was one of the reasons for discouragement was the opportune transaction. Uh, and that was primarily, uh, Luke Jr. I believe. And then, uh, Gregory Maxwell had a objection to it, but 
there was a fundamental misunderstanding in his objection because he conflated paynim.is, which is a centralized name server that we run where we take a payment code that the wallet our client side generates and apply a algorithm to provide a SHA-256 representation in the form of an image, the, the, the robot images of that payment code. That's all. It's and, both and the it, image. It's both the image and the like the user name. readable name, right? Like Young Poetry right. 985 or whatever, instead of the long ass string that's the payment, the real payment code. Right. So, but his his criticism conflated Paynim.is, which is a centralized database, with the requirement of the user to use that centralized database uh, to restore and get the, the the state of the UTXOs, which is ironic because that was the exact thing that Luke Jr. was against in the form of the notification transaction, which provides that blockchain based <laughs> state. So if you, you they, can restore from seed and you can still get everything because it's on it's on the chain. Correct. Right. That was the that was the whole idea of this notification transaction. So it was a what was looked at as a necessary evil that would hopefully be taken care of later on. Right. And lo and behold, later on has occurred and it has been taken care of. So that's no longer an issue. Um, users for the last few years have had to put up with the burden of creating this op return transaction uh, and paying a little bit more uh, to get stealth addresses, but they still got stealth addresses and we've never had a complaint from users. They all, the, the only complaint we've had is that it was a cumbersome process that it's, it's hard to onboard new users to. And we completely agree. So hopefully right. it will be get better soon. Yeah. I think, I think there is, there was just another kind of, uh, criticism of I am aware of, which is uh, the practical kind of usage or implementation of it, that it, it doesn't really matter much that we are all doing all this computation overhead. I mean, there will be like some added scanning to the chain and, you know, needing to kind of uh, filter all blocks or uh, transactions through looking for these kind of uh, uh, hidden messages, messages uh, which wouldn't be in the, like the block headers, so that would be a, a deeper kind of parsing of the blocks. Uh, but on the end, if the user takes and just merges all the outputs which have been received through these paynames, then, you know, the whole sales address thing would lose its uh, kind of main purpose, right? I mean, Obviously, this can be discouraged and education, etc. But that, I think that was another thing which was uh, kind of came up in the discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, and it's all these are valid points of discussion, and, and exactly what the bit process is for to discuss these things in the open. Uh, but I think what the what, what what hampered the development of Bit Forty Seven, or at least the excitement amongst wallet developers wasn't any of those reasons it was the label that the bit maintainer applied that was quote unquote unanimously discouraged for implementation uh and i think that that was enough to kind of just oh, well, oh, actually you have to rewind a bit to the era and this was in the the height uh, or the start of the block size wars and the bcash wars and the author of the bit was a big blocker so he already had that going against him. So there was already prejudice against him for that. 
and it may sound silly to viewers now, but that's the reality of the time that that he was looked at suspiciously. And um, despite the fact that he had a valid proposal, um, it was it was moved to the state. Um, another BIP that was unanimously discouraged for implementation, of course, was uh, BIP 39. Now, luckily, that hasn't had the same response. The wallet developers implemented it anyway because it's a fundamentally better better structure for for um, implementing these monomic uh, words. It's a standardized that's the speed structure. backups. The yeah, speed sorry. Backup. Yeah, that's, it's that that's the monomic words with. specifically. Um, Your secret word phrase, freaks. Yeah. So so that's also by the same you know by the same most of the same developers applied the label uh, unanimously discouraged for implementation. Now, I'm, you know, I, I think that to an extent, the, the core developers who and the people who reply on these BIP threads to form a consensus need to be able to have opinions that are that are contrary and critical. You have to be able to fight it out in the in the comments and get your ideas out there. And ultimately, the market will decide. Um, we, you know, and that's what was our thinking. Well, we're not going to wait for an approval from anyone. We're going to do it because we see the potential there. Now it's just hopefully with version three, it's more, it's going to be easier to implement for wallet developers. I think maybe there's going to be more libraries available, uh, which make it 10 times easier for developers to implement. And we'll see, we'll see other wallets implementing it. And I think that would be fantastic. And, and another thing that, you know, we welcome anyone to use the paynim.is, uh, database directory if they want to supply payment codes and get back a uh, a bot image and name for their users uh those aren't wallet, samurai wallet specific or they don't have to be that's great uh, i i mean i think this is all very insightful to me personally my biggest concern has been on-chain fees and it's also been my concern with CoinJoin uh as well because if on-chain fees go up um both become prohibitively expensive which is why for like the last six months, I've been more focused on basically that are trying to accomplish a similar case, but use lightning, um, you know, such as LL or Keysend. Um, I am not a perfect person and I, I, my understanding of Bitcoin continues every day. Um, I, one of the reasons I love this show is because I learn alongside the freaks and we all learn together. Um, and I have admitted that I have pie on my face right now because, as you can see, if you're watching the video stream, uh, one sat per byte is confirming in the next transaction. Um, so I'm curious on what your viewpoint is because uh, OpenOps mentioned it earlier as well, talking about using Lightning as a postmix tool, right? Which is this idea that even, you know, you use Whirlpool, you have like a nice 5 million sat UTXO. You put it in a node and you you use that for spending, and then you know after a certain amount of time you burn it and do a new node uh, to to try and use Lightning as a as a postmix tool that has uh, reduced fee burden. Um, I'm curious on your opinion here. Um, do you think that fees will rise over time? Do you think we'll have a sustained high fee environment, or do you think you know in two years, three years, uh, there'll be periods where you're going to be able to uh, you know, get one step or bite into the next block. Well, fees better rise over time because uh, I don't know how else the network is going to be secured once the subsidy runs out. 
uh, the block reward runs out. So, you know, the idea has always been that a fee market, quote unquote, would be developing or developed by this point. Um, we don't we don't see that necessarily now, uh, as you as you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, we didn't expect it. We, I think he, you've mentioned that we predicted the kind of a low fee environment for a little while still, um, and that's because um, I think part of it's because the de facto layer two has become the custodial um, providers like Cash App and Robinhood and Grayscale and and uh, and whatnot. These are the uh, the true layer two of Bitcoin. Um, and you're getting a lot of your number your number go up crowd uh, onboarding via these these methods, and um, that's taking pressure off the main chain. Uh, yeah, I agree 100 percent on that. I I think and and that's what's funny about dispatches. We get all into the weeds, right? But the first step is like we need people to fucking take their coins off of these custodial platforms. Um, but so 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 you agree with me that you. You think at least a, a healthy Bitcoin is one in a, that's going to end up in a sustained, a sustained high fee environment. Um, well, my understanding of Bitcoin is that it has to ultimately right. end up in that state. Um, you, you, there has to be a fee environment, um, so miners are incentivized to continue mining when they don't have a, a block reward. So I 100% agree. Uh, so, so, what are your thoughts on? You know, coin join usage, private private Bitcoin usage in general is going to have a higher on-chain burden. Um, you know, whether that's a pay join or whether that's a Stonewall transaction or whether that's a, a Whirlpool transaction or whether that's a Paynim transaction. So I, I'm curious, where do you where do you see? Uh, you know, we're struggling to get to get users. I mean, it, it's 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 been good to see uh, usage go up um of these tools but in a high fee environment are you concerned at all about usage uh getting limited because it gets just so cost prohibitive and and if, if that's the case you know what do you have a strategy or is the idea just you know it's 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 still a little bit off and and we'll cross that bridge when we cross it well i think it's a little bit of both i mean you have to, we've we've sustained pretty high fee environments for for quite a few uh, quite a long time, you know. We were we were around during the Roger Veer block size wars, where he potentially spanned the network, or someone spanned the network for a good year and a half, um, if not longer, and created you know really just awful awful conditions as a pretext for you know needing bigger blocks. Basically, was the idea behind that. Um, and you know that 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 was a strain on not only our infrastructure. Uh, but on users' um, usage, but really not to a huge degree. Uh, we expected it to be a bigger drain on usage. Um, it was more of a drain on infrastructure. So we've shored up infrastructure. We know we can handle sustained periods of, of blocks in terms of having chains of unconfirmed transactions and uh, transactions dropping from the mempool. Like we, we, you know, we're experiencing all of these uh, events at this point. Um, in terms of becoming too cost prohibitive, I you know I don't see it happening in the near uh, immediate future or the the medium to long term future. I think it's actually a it's going to become a real problem for Bitcoin um, that we need to that you know as a community need to need to look at and discuss uh, as you know the layer twos continue to strengthen 
um, the custodial layer twos that I'm talking about, the PayPal's and whatnot. Um, this is going to become exacerbated. Um, but you know, second or third to all that, we are focused on chain, and that's been our mission statement from day one. So if if it means that our users are going to have to, you know at that point in the future, become a different type of user who's more comfortable spending a different amount to be able to interact with the Bitcoin main chain. I think that will be a success for Bitcoin. That'll be a good place to be in. We'll see if our users are, are, are willing to do that or if we're willing to um, uh, attract users who are willing to do that. Because I think there will always be a market for on-chain transactions. Um, and. Um, yeah, and you know that's where our, our our primary interest is. Yeah, can I can I just yes. say that I mean, here is uh, I'm just looking at the the Clark Moses dashboard and it's it says that average fee uh, average fees per block is point zero eight sorry point three eight BTC so like one third BTC and average fees versus reward is like 5.6 percent so even with this kind of you know empty blocks coming uh, you have still like five percent of the block reward is 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 coming from the fees so i'm just thinking that yes i expect more pressure on the blocks as well but i can also see that if for like a real fee market you might have periods when you would need smaller blocks, right? <laughs> um, but the most important thing is I, I don't think that we would change either direction. They would just, you know, block size just just stays as it is. But the purchasing value of Bitcoin does go up, as we know. And if you are talking about like, you know, having epochs of four, eight, 12 years, then for example, 12 years, the purchasing value will be likely to cover a quite similar uh, block reward in purchasing value as it is now, of, of which now there is only 5% fees are. But we have a fifth, you know, 20 times increase in the purchasing value, then, then, you know, how much do you want to spend on security? Like, you know, hardware gets more efficient, uh, etc. It might not be that necessary, right? I mean, we don't know if it if it happened, and we don't know if it is a problem if it isn't, right? So that means that the on-chain privacy tools will just remain to be used, and you know they might take up the majority of the of the on-chain usage at some point because then, you know, you go for layer two for convenience as well as well i mean if we mentioned the also need to improve and improving privacy uh, aspects of lightning but you also people also use lightning because it's this fast instant settlement and you know which you don't have on chain so you know yeah. go ahead matt sorry uh, so I'm. I mean, Samurai, we have you here. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to agree with OpenOM's premise. Um, I have gotten a lot of of shit from the Samurai crew for 
not not the official samurai crew but um the many group chats that i participated in with you guys um for my vocalization of my expectation that bitcoin purchasing power will increase with adoption um which is the expectation that OpenOMS just uh, mentioned. And do do you think that is an that is an expectation that we should not be operating under? Or no, I mean, I I'm think, curious I on think your views. We've seen it in action now for a number of years. That it, 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 it's waves, you know. Um, so we have adoption waves that correspond to um, number go up or, or ramp up in price. Um, you'll of course lose some of the people that that came on for the ride, but you're all you're always left with a larger group of people. Um, that's how it's played out so far. Um, I don't think I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of UTXOs out there uh, from Bitcoin services that do operate on chain, and there's lots of them. Uh, you know that are not publicly vocal. They're on Twitter. They're you know you don't know about them, but they're out there doing their thing. Um, they collect fees, they do however they monetize. Uh, there's a lot of UTXOs that many would consider close to dust or, or, um, or you know, pushing it there and, and certainly will become a lot more, uh, worth a lot more as the, the value of Bitcoin increases in terms of uh, US dollar. Um, and there's going to be an incentive to, to, you know, be able to efficiently move those transactions, whether that be to a second layer um, or not, uh, they're, they're, they need to be moved uh, to that second layer. So it has to be an on-chain transaction. Um, so I don't. I, I think that there's still incentive to to, and there's still um, innovative things that haven't even occurred yet or even been thought of yet um, that can occur on the main chain on the base layer. Um, and personally, I mean, I'm not, as you know, I'm not very bullish on Lightning. Um, you know, I think that as it was described by OpenNOMS was accurate, uh, but I don't necessarily see it as a privacy tool. I, th I see it as a bank ready tool. Um, and I see the majority of usage being via custodial methods. And I think that that's only going to increase and grow over time. And I don't necessarily, necessarily think that that may, should have been the, the quote unquote blessed scaling solution. I think it was available at a time in Bitcoin's history where a scaling solution was drastically needed uh, to counter a narrative. Uh, I don't necessarily think a scaling solution, well, we can see, look at the mempool, a scaling solution wasn't drastically needed. Um, but Bitcoin, the Bitcoin community took that bait and said, hey, well, we have lightning and it just wasn't ready. And no one had really examined the the um, consequences of a system like this, building a system in this way and the potential for regulatory capture. So I'm, I'm just not very bullish on Lightning. If it succeeds and it's primarily done in a non-custodial way, I, I'll, I'll chalk it up as a win for Bitcoin. Uh, but I, I do look, I do wonder about the potentials that were missed out on in terms of other projects or other layer two um, ideas that maybe had we had the benefit of time and not being rushed into something could have emerged. Um, but, you know, or, you know, that could always emerge in the future still. So, you know, nothing's written in stone here. Um, but I, I don't see lightning as that escape route off the, uh, from the main chain. Uh, you know, I see it as a, just another gonna, another swift in the making really.
Yeah, I mean, I, I think me and OpenOM share similar concerns. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for OpenOMs, but that's one of the reasons why I've been pushing for more sovereign lightning usage, uh, because it, it is quite obvious that uh, a significant amount of the usage is either custodial or even worse, custod like regulated custodian. Um, exactly. It's a, that, and, and that's uh, really bad on lightning. Um, so so, yeah. so far, it is completely permissionless and keeps growing in terms of sovereignty. And people just uh, people not even using it from need, but it keeps growing even without the need. Because how I sell lightning to people, I mean, you know, why do I run a node? You know, I mean, um, what, what, why should someone go on and use lightning? Is basically the availability of the instant settlement which is not possible in a it, it, there are only more trusted ways which is possible and um and also the saving on fees i mean even okay i mean if you want to send you know 100 sets around you still won't be able to to do it if you if you if you if you send like you know 10,000 sets around you still won't be able to do it on chain efficiently so again coming down coming back to like the uh original or the where our conversation started that you know what kind of communities people would adopt uh bitcoin faster and earlier it is quite likely that will be the ones who are who, who won't be the whales, you know, who won't have the that much fiat money available that, um, you know, they wouldn't care about that. Even the hundred, even the hundred Satoshis or the 200, 500 Satoshis they need to send on a, need to spend on a, on an on-chain transaction when they are, you know, sending those minuscule kind of values around. Um, so I think it's incredibly important in that sense, and and it and it. Not everyone can, and not if, so. Even we have like what eight billion people. Even if like you know a couple of billion adopt Bitcoin, they won't just get the UT, one UTXO per, you know, per person. They would have would need to be like a family or a village controlling, like a UTXO. And uh, how else could it be? Other than other than a layer two solution, I I agree. Um, open on to that. I, I I've always said that it's we've known from the start that you know for Bitcoin to scale to any sort of mass mass number of people, there has to be layer two or even layer three technologies. Um, my my point of contention is that I don't necessarily think that Lightning, you know, is that the best solution for the job. Um, but to reiterate your first point, the first thing you said, it's a not, you know, it's a permissionless system and absolutely 100% agree. And I respect anyone who's working on it in that way. Um, 100%. Um, we just, we just don't see a future with it in, in Samurai, but you know, we don't, we don't wish to discourage anyone from working on it or using it. In fact, many of our users use lightning and they incorporate lightning into their post mix strategy. So, you know it's it's nothing like like that the the only thing i'll take issue with what you said uh and and this is a broader kind of point is but i've made 
you know, I've made hundreds of thousands of transactions, uh, like peer to peer transactions to a merchant, you know, for, for goods and or services. And I can't honestly say that I've ever had a single time where I was wishing for the finality of that transaction to be instant. You know, I don't really ever remember an issue waiting for a few confirmations or six confirmations or 12 confirmations. Um, if it's an online transaction, even more so. And if it's an in-person low value transaction, I've never had a like, bar or a cafe ask me to wait around for the transaction to confirm. And just, this is just in practice when I've, when I've spent um, over the years since, since uh, 2012. Um, so I don't think that that aspect is necessarily important to users. I think the aspect of saving on fees is what's important to users. Uh, but even during the high fee environment that we experienced in the earlier parts of the year and, and last year, we did not really see a large increase in lightning transactions, it, it, you know, inbound into lightning. Uh, you would have, we would have, and I expected to see a larger increase. So there, there's another disconnect there. So we know that users want to save on fees, but users on a large scale either don't know about Lightning or have determined that Lightning doesn't work for them, even if on-chain fees are in the one to 300 sat a byte, uh, per byte region. So that's a little, you know, that requires deeper introspection. I, I think it's uh, yeah. I, th I think it has a lagging effect. The the high the high fee environment, what we have seen a couple of months ago, or like in in, in for a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, or uh, so. Um, so that's not a good time to deploy liquidity to Lightning, right? So you know it didn't grow then because it was obviously needing an on needing you know multiple on chain transactions to to kind of like build up a node to serve others and you know things like that would be significant spending then but now after this event you know even then the you the overall interest in like bitcoin is not looking to be very high at the moment but the growth of the lightning network has picked up to a level it wasn't um you know seen before like you know the capacity is like what like eight eighteen uh hundred BTC just now I'm, I'm looking at it with like 23% growth in the week that is uh, that is not like you know the usual number so it, it seems like that now people have this time to they have experienced that they had high fees and now there is a low fee period now they can deploy uh, and you know open those channels and get ready for the next wave of of uh, you know, peaking usage and on of, of, of the on-chain um, space. So, yeah, I think that's it, true. It, I think that's true, <clears throat> but only to a small extent. I think. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's a wider. I think it's a wider problem that. I mean, it's it's maybe it's a problem. It depends on your perspective, but I think that Bitcoin users in 2021, and it's been true for a long time just aren't spending on stuff. They don't buy things with Bitcoin and transact in Bitcoin. They primarily are buying Bitcoin, sending it, 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 the best case is sending it to themselves in a cold storage. But a lot of them are just buying, a lot of them are just buying Bitcoin and storing it on the exchange. Um, but there's not a lot of transactional activity occurring, uh, I think. And 
you know, that, that, that comes from, you know, the, the huddle mentality that comes from the, the number go up kind of mentality, but ultimately it just comes from the point where that users just don't need to, to spend it, right? They don't see the value in spending it when it, when it can appreciate in value by letting it sit there. Yeah. Whereas there's, there's a whole class of users and a lot of them are samurai users. And I would consider myself one of them that require it. We need to spend it because we earn it primarily. We don't have another method. So spending is, is essential. And, and we've been doing that for, for all these years. And I just think the, the available pool of users who want to interact with Bitcoin in that way uh, has, has been, has shrink, you know, shrunk since all of the new uh, entrants. Like shrunk in, in uh, versus the overall users or the overall yeah kind of, you know, yeah people yeah exactly we're, we're people who have that as their core kind of you know proposition their 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 reason for being here right is they maybe they're opting out of the system maybe they require uh, transactional privacy for a transaction that is taboo in their country whatever the you know whatever the the reasons are they're, 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 they're you know they're still around but the, there's more people who are using it as an investment asset versus a transactional asset when as far like in my head it's both you know and i need my my investment asset in the short term just as much as i need it in the long term so i spend more um and i think it's it's kind of based on when you got into bitcoin i think uh, that can kind of predict how often you transact with Bitcoin, like true transactions. Maybe it's buying web hosting, maybe it's domain names, wh whatever, you know. Y yes, but uh, yeah, the same way, I think the the usage in as a medium of exchange would make Lightning usage higher as well as, you know, as well as the on-chain. So it, it, it goes kind of parallel. And you do, and as like um, watch the comments, like about the center, said, you know, it's it's not, um, it's not efficient to have like a high lightning capacity. There is is is, is you cannot really compare it to, uh, for example, the the amount of liquidity which is sitting in 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 a whirlpool or like even offered in joint market, you know, or or what people are. Um, you know, holding in their in in, in their in their um, cold storage wallets because it's just a very kind of specific use case which you need, and it can serve you know an unlimited amount of transactions in a in a quite big mesh network already. So um, I hope to see I I hope to see more more lightning usage, but it won't necessarily will be obvious from from looking at the kind of capacity growing but it will be just obvious from the services and the things you will be able to do with with lightning and on lightning and even now speaking you know with like the from like drcs to like you know client side filtering on on um with like rgb and you know all, all, all these kind of things which are which are made possible with the with the technology with the payment channel, channel technology but uh, that doesn't you know obviously that doesn't invalidate the the, the on-chain usage and the, and the way that you can be the most private with you know the coin joins and the postnix tools and things like that that you will need to always fall back to that and that's a foundation to build on and you know i, I very much like to see like you know somewhere wallet continue to con concentrate on it and you know we'll be using on it because it's the right tool for the job Just 
just to jump in here real quick, I mean, I think a lot of this is growing pains on both sides. Um, I think it's, you know, I'm not saying, uh, and I will never say that lightning is a sure thing and maybe it's the wrong tool. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, first of all, I think Bitcoin's use as a medium exchange will only go up. Uh, it, it's had some bad years recently. Um, but I think like as as users, as people start realizing, especially with the the decline of cash, start realizing the need for censorship resistant payments, uh, more people will spend Bitcoin as they realize that need and they have no other option. You know, Bitcoin is is meant for those payments. Uh, unless you earn 100 percent Bitcoin, it's meant for those payments you can't make otherwise. Um, so I expect that to increase. Also, you know, with Lightning, it's still very early, you know, so I think it'll take some time. I think on the privacy side, just one you know, you know, Bitcoin uh, Lightning has a lot of difficulties in terms of receiving privately, um, which concern me. But on the sending side, especially if you're a more technical user and you realize uh, the trade-offs that are being made, which is part of the UX hurdle of Lightning as it currently stands, um, and you take certain precautions in terms of you know not holding a long-standing balance or a long-standing node, and you use it basically as a batch spend for postmix. Um, my, my single favorite part about spending via lightning is that there's no change output. And because that change output is like from a UX, from a UX side, I mean, we didn't, I moved so far into here now. I mean, we didn't even talk about like coin control or labeling, which most wallets don't have, but like you spend to uh, a merchant or even worse, you deposit into a, a regulated exchange and you have that change output, that change output's just sitting there waiting to uh, fuck you privacy-wise. Uh, but you don't have that with Lightning. Yeah, yeah. The change output is, you know, it's a subject or it's a product of the UTXO architecture and it's a challenge to be overcome. Uh, luckily, um, if, if it's, you know, above 001 BTC, then uh, throw it into Whirlpool. And, yeah, I mean, Samurai <laughs> Samurai's unique in that regard because you have, you know, very good advanced coin control and you have labeling, uh, but most wallets do not. Um, yeah, no, it's a serious issue. I mean, it's a serious privacy issue with Bitcoin um, currently. And it's something that, you know, ultimately could be solved on the protocol la uh, layer with you know, confidential transactions. But that, let's be honest, that's not going to happen. There's various right. reasons for that. So we have to deal with it on the application side and, um, you know, that's what Samurai does. That's what um, Join uh, Join Market does, and we'll just all we can do is continue to make those tools. I you know I, I don't know that the the this this awakening is going to happen, and they're all going to go on to like the layer two like Lightning. Uh, I think that Lightning is designed for a mass market, and I just I think the reality is the mass market rather use something that's easier like Venmo. You know, and I, I just think it's going to be, it's going to have an uphill battle unless it finds like a real niche and, and great use case. And that, that hasn't been discovered yet. And like you said, it's still early. So it still can be discovered um, that that makes it like really, a, really compelling. I just I don't know. I don't see it growing um, past a certain, you know, plat plateau. Um, and as OpenDOM said, the only way we can really tell is with the numbers that get released by services. Uh, like BitRefill and, and others who have implemented Lightning for many years now, and they tend to do that yearly. So I know, I mean, last year it was something like, you know, Dash had more transaction volume in BitRefill than, than Lightning did, you know. Um, we'll see if the 2021 numbers are any different at the end of the year. 
Um, I would expect it goes up a little bit, but nothing dramatic because I don't think the use case is there for Bitcoin. And if those, if there is that awakening, you better you better hope that all of these tools that we, you know that we're Samurai Wallet and, and Joy Market and the others are prepared, you know, and have done enough uh, in the time that we have had, um, because it's gonna they're gonna need the tools and they're not gonna be sophisticated. They're not gonna know about the coin control, like you said. They're not gonna know about these things. They're just gonna be looking for solutions to problems. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we have Anthony in the comments, you know, Anthony Ronnie, he was also on the show and he's mentioning that you still have issues with the actual, um, open close on chain with lightning. There's a lot of privacy gotchas. Um, and we do talk about them a lot on dispatch and, and I, and I don't want to diminish all, them. all things in Bitcoin. Yeah. That's everything in Bitcoin. Privacy gotchas yeah. everywhere. Exactly. Um, guys, so, I mean, we're nearing three hours. I think this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate both of you. I hope the freaks appreciated this conversation. I think they will. Um, do you, you guys have anything you want to discuss before we wrap this up? Uh, I have nothing, uh, nothing to announce or anything like that. But it's been a, a great discussion. I was happy to to be here and, and great to 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 chat with you, Open Dogs, and uh, Hotel you, Matt, for the first time. Oh uh, yes, uh, same same with me. It was uh, it was a really good, uh, really good discussion, and we you know covered a lot of things. And uh, yes, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, guys. I appreciate you. Um, just one more shout out for our guests. That's at Samurai Wallet on Twitter and at OpenOMS on Twitter. Um, to the freaks, I hope you found this conversation useful. Um, privacy is extremely important. We expect Bitcoin to be around for a long fucking time. We expect the chain to be around for a long t fucking time. Please care about your privacy. Please start seeking out resources and trying to learn how to use the tools before you absolutely need them, because when you need them, it might be too late. Um, with this discussion, all three major coin join implementations have been discussed on Citadel Dispatch. Um, you can go back Wasabi at Citadel Dispatch 15, Join Market at Citadel Dispatch 16. Do your own research, look into all this stuff, and just try and advance yourself. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you all. Thank you. Hope to Thank be back you. again soon. Yeah, we're going to make that happen. Cheers, guys. Looking forward. Would <laughs> you like to sing? It's our latest record. Or our latest electronic noise, depending on whose side you're on. Any road, we'd like to carry on with it. It's the last number. We'd like to thank you all for being so wonderful. <laughs> and it's called Help. One, two, three, four.
Cheers, freaks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Love you all. See you on Rabbit Hole Recap on Thursday. Stay humble and stack.